Welcome to the sports edition. This is me, Shayi, with my host, JC, estimated November 23. And JC, we had a very tough week. It was a very eventful week, as we've seen with the NBA boycotting. But we also had um, some tragic passings. Um, first was Chadwick Boseman, of course. Made his name off Black Panther. That's where I came to know Chad Chadwick Boseman as an actor. He's also part of the movie Forty Two with Jackie, featuring Jackie Robinson. And then as well, we also have past is Cliff Robinson, a former NBA player, played for the Portland Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns, one of the original hybrid big men. Athletic can step out to the three. He passed away at a young age of 53 years old. So I just want to start with Chadwick Boseman. And JC, I know you're a film buff. You watch loads of films, loads of shows. And I know you want to get into directing. Mm -hmm. So JC, just how how has Chadwick Boseman became an influence upon you? Well, um, First of all, rest in peace, uh, Chadwick Boseman, because that was one of the worst losses I feel like of the of the of the year. Um, just solely due to if you look at um, his run, if you, you, I mean anybody can really just go into his IMDb page and um, you know just rattle off the titles of all he's been in, and you know even if I if I did that now, I mean it's it's kind of insane the the last decade run um, he was on. And, um, but for me, it's not just about the movies that he did. It's, uh, the characters that he played. I mean, you're talking about, he was Jackie Robinson, James Brown, which a lot of people don't really, um, talk about a lot. He was Thurgood Marshall and Marshall. And, uh, you know, obviously he was T'Challa. And, uh, I mean, you're talking, if you want to talk about a black influencer, um, who's doing, um, the best he can for his people. I mean, the only role that he was missing was Martin Luther King. <laughs> from his IMDb. So, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty incredible run that he was on. And um, the sad part is he was kind of just, it felt like um, however many great roles that he did, the amount of potential and, you know, things that we're never going to be able to get to see um, um, from him is, is, is just very depressing. Um, so yeah, rest in peace. And uh, yeah, I guess, the I think the proper thing to say to Chadwick Boseman is thank you for for everything that you did um, from forty two to um, you know making the highest grossing uh, black film of all time and um, yeah I mean it just yeah I'm at a loss for words honestly um, huge loss but thank you Chadwick Boseman and rest in peace hey, rest in peace Chadwick Boseman um I first found out about this I was uh, doing another podcast this Friday night, this past Friday night, it was a live show. Mm -hmm. And I think someone in the comments mentioned it. I think my co-host mentioned it first, but I think someone in the comments said that he passed away. And it was, I was just shocked. It was, it was blindsiding. I didn't expect it. Yeah. I, I really didn't expect that at all. And it said from colon cancer, I'm like, from colon cancer? We then had no idea he was going through that. And yeah. it's something that he kept within his circle. He didn't let it out. Um, um, I remember people, like, making the comparisons of how he looked from Black Panther 
yeah. when we did Black Panther to how he looked right now and how he lost weight or how his expression changed. And I just, I mean, first thought, I just thought like, hey, she's getting ready for different movies, but we really didn't know what he was going through. Yeah. Yeah, I got, um, I got about seven texts in the span of like 10 minutes um, saying that Chadwick was gone, but I didn't even find out about it until the day, uh, till like really, really, really late that night that he, that he died. And to be honest with you, like me and my mom were both like legitimately crying because it was just one of those things that, you know, um, like he, he was, he was coming off of like the greatest, like, like two year run, I think in in recent memory, especially for, for a black yeah. actor, like it's kind of insane, like the run that he, he went on. I mean, you're talking, he was, he was Thurgood Marshall, then Black Panther, then did both Avengers and then 21 Bridges. And then um, obviously the, the five bloods, which some people have had their issues with, but I thought it was a great movie. I mean, the, the run that uh, he was on, it was just absolutely incredible. And what he was doing for, you know, the black community, was just insane. So, I mean, it, it was far, far, far too soon, far too soon. Yeah, definitely a pioneer for black actors, mm-hmm. um, especially consistently being a main character as well. And he has affected this is it's kind of like the Kobe Bryant death. He has affected yeah. people around the world. Yeah. People people that like like me, I don't watch movies and films like that, but I'm even aware of the impact of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, and it's um, it's kind of similar to Kobe Bryant in a way, too, because both of them just died really, really, really young, and both of them just kind of seemed like, in terms of Kobe, Kobe was like just transitioning into this into this world without basketball. Like, what was the next version of Kobe going to be? He was going to be a director himself. Well, he was a director himself. Yeah, and Chadwick goes kind of in the same way. It's just like, all right, you were... Jackie Robinson, James Brown, T'Challa, Thurgood Marshall, like what's like what's next? And it kind of felt like, you know, um, you know, there was a whole nother um, side to this career that we just never even got to see, like this whole like second, uh, the second act of his career. And um, yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, all, all both died too young. Um, right now, as we're recording this podcast, we are. Um, the Raptors and Celtics game are playing. This is recorded Sunday afternoon, and they're currently mourning the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And rest in peace to him. And I want to switch it over to another player that that well, an, another person that was that that we had lost from that is affected by the NBA community as well, and that is Clifford Robinson. Like I said, one of the original hybrid fours. He was part of that Portland Trailblazers team with uh, Sam Perkins, um, Clyde Drexler, that gave the Chicago Bulls a run for their money. He was part of a good Phoenix Suns team. He was uh, he was a big man before his time, mm-hmm. like that tall, lanky, big man, athletic, can shoot the threes. Um he he passed away at age fifty three, and it was back to back. Um, I was still looking on social media, people mourning about Chadwick Boseman, but then I get the news from Chris Haynes that Cliff Robinson has passed away, and they probably announced the terms of his death. But from what I've seen, they didn't say they didn't give a reason of why he passed, but he just passed so young at the age of fifty three. 
Yeah, I um yeah, I think it happened like a couple uh maybe hours, maybe hours after I got the news of, of Chadwick that um that Cliff Robinson died. I'm like, what is going on? Like what's happening right now? Um it was just a very um yeah, I mean, I guess the only real thing that we can say is that it's been a really, like, fucking, like, shitty couple of days. Like, really, because, um, like you said, he was, um, <clears throat> he, um, he was one of those players who you really, like, think, what would he be like if he played, uh, if he played today, rather than, you know, playing when he played. Because, like you said, he was, he was way too early for his time. And also died yeah. very young. I'm pretty sure he died, what, 53? Yeah, 53 years old. Yeah, very, yeah, just, yeah. I'm getting bumped yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, he definitely paved the way for a lot of the big men today. And yeah, it, this was, it was just really a tragic span of 24 hours. Yeah. And it's like, it was just, it was just, un, un, it's just 2020 in general. 2020 has just been, it's just been a year of tragic passings. We had a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Just this year, this year, just a lot has been happening. Yeah, I mean, for all of that to happen coming off of, um, and I know that we can probably transition into, um, you know, all of the NBA protests and stuff, because, you know, coming off of, you know, the whole Jacob Blake situation and everything that has been happening over the past week for for the week to kind of get capped off um, with, it's just like, hey, I know all this shitty stuff has happened, but by the way, Cliff Robinson died and Chadwick Boseman are going to die on the same day. So there's that. Yeah, so let's transition to the uh, NBA boycott. So we're talking about Jacob Blake. So in response to Jacob Blake, the NBA started boycotting their games. It was first Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic. Uh, on, on Wednesday, they boycotted. First game was a little like I got the news like 30 minutes before they started that they might not play. George Hill was the catalyst for this. Giannis pretty much signed off on it, said they weren't won't play. That uh, created a spiral. The two other games that were going on, OKC and Houston, um, Lakers and Portland, decided not play as well. So what this led to was an impromptu inside the NBA show where Kenny Kenny Smith walked off. Mm-hmm. It probably was like a little bit like melodramatic you could say that like was already planned that he was going to do it but hey it sent a message regardless yeah it led tnt to start showing adam sandler movies because they didn't really have nothing else to show <laughs> it was like hey everybody likes how adam sandler movies right so let's show let's show that <laughs> it's like uh, how my co-host from friday said everybody likes adam sandler movies like hey i like the young, longest yard too but like i've watched that like how many times now in my lifetime so i just I just changed I changed the channel on that one. Yeah. So, um, it I felt like it done its purpose because what happened was tomorrow. I mean Thursday, the the next day, the next day after that was at CNN. They uh showed it on. They showed they interviewed Chris Webber, who had an amazing speech though on Wednesday. They interviewed Kenny Smith. They talked about it nonstop. So what it did is it did raise awareness to me. I've, I've read the article on Chris Haynes of what happened during that 15-minute meeting, that players-only meeting that they had that Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Udonis Haslam was mostly the spokesperson. He was uh, calling out 
um, everyone, well, he called out the Bucks, mostly George Hill, since he was a catalyst, and said that what George Hill did was irresponsible and selfish, not for boycotting, but for doing it in the spur of the moment, because pretty much every everybody else, all the other NBA teams were mad at the Bucks for what they did, because it kind of put them in an uncompromising position where if they played, they would seem unsens- insensitive, so they had to sit out as well. And it's just they were mad that the Bucks did not discuss this with anyone else. The Raptors and Celtics were already discussing it, but they were discussing it ahead of time. The Bucks did it out of nowhere. Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul were discussing it, but yeah, they were discussing that ahead of time. So they were just mad at the Bucks for do for doing it so spontaneously. Yeah. And Giannis Haslam called out George Hill for saying what he did was irresponsible and selfish because as a veteran, you have money. But you're not thinking about the young guys in the league, the guys who are rookies, the guys who are not even first-round picks, who if they sit out that game, they protest that game, they might not have another game. So they don't have the money like George Hill. They don't have the money like LeBron James. Yeah. So they can't afford to be doing this. And for that part with Udonis Haslam, I do agree. I do agree. Yeah, I um, I agree too. However, the one thing I will say about it is, um, and I'm not the type of, um, I'm not, I shouldn't say the type. I'm not the um, one of the people who are saying that, you know, the NBA should cancel their season in order to focus on social justice um, change. I think that the, what the NBA has done has done more for um, for social justice change than, um, not only any other sports, um, you know, league has done because I think we can all agree that the NBA is the best uh, is the best league um, period in the world. Um, I think they've done an excellent job, but uh, I think that not. I think that um, the Bucks definitely should have discussed it, but I feel like playing on that day, um, especially with everything going on and what the bubble. Um, represented and you know how everybody was kind of focused on social justice change i mean playing a game that day just didn't make sense it just i agree with you on that yeah it just didn't make sense now if they would have uh, played the day after i mean we could talk about that and even that i think probably would have been fine if they would have played um what was would have been that uh that thursday i think i I believe yeah it would have been like thursday or friday if they would have played on those days i think it would have been fine but um, what, but I will say what has Haslam said is one hundred percent true. Like, for sure, discuss it beforehand and not do it. You know, how long was it before the game started? It was like uh, it was like an hour before, right, or something like that. Something insane. It's an hour. It felt like it was like thirty minutes before for me. It was like I just get the news that oh they're discussing not playing, and then next thing I know, I turn into a TNT, and then I and then I see that they're saying they're not coming out. It was yeah. like. It seemed even quicker than an hour. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I mean, I'm kind of conflicted on that. It's like on one hand, uh, I if I was a player, even if I was a rookie, I don't think I would play. I don't think I would play that that day. Just be like, listen, like this is the right thing to do. And um, they should have. I mean, when it happened, I mean, they should have. They definitely. Um, I mean, it was on Milwaukee. That's the other thing. Like it happened in Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wisconsin. So it's like if anybody's not going to play Milwaukee shouldn't play but at the same time i don't know what the semantics I, yeah i don't know i don't know yeah milwaukee oh yeah milwaukee definitely should be the first team to act yeah i 
Look, I agree with them not playing. Mm-hmm. I just agree with what Haslam said is that this should have been discussed before it because yeah. a lot of players got blindsided on it. I agree. I always had to prepare for it. Like you had probably like OKC and Houston, you had players mentally preparing for the game, but then all of a sudden what the Bucks did, there's like they gotta get out that mindset now. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Um, especially um since the shooting happened, there have been like real uh, genuine discussions about should the NBA even be playing or should sports even should be a thing? Where do you stand on that? I stand that they should be playing, but I, I also stand on what the NBA did mm-hmm. was perfect because what, what I've seen it, I've seen it as this was a warning shot mm-hmm. that what happened with Jacob Blake, the fact that the NBA stopped playing for two days, that was a warning shot. That was a warning shot to police officers that was a warning shot to america that look if police brutality is still going on if if they feel like black lives are still not mattering then we're going to stop playing so that's a warning shot just in case another incident happens again and then they can completely stop playing but what i felt i felt that done its purpose I don't feel like they should completely stop playing because a lot of players have sacrificed to go to the bubble. Yeah. And still, like, I still I feel for, like, the younger guys who haven't made a name for themselves in the NBA yet, they still got to get their salary. Not everybody in the NBA has money, believe it or not. So they still got to get their salary. They still got to get their paychecks. But, they're all, but they also don't want to play for our entertainment. So yeah. I felt like what they did with Jake, what did with the boycott was perfect. Don't completely shut down, but what they shown was a warning shot. And just to say, just to elaborate on the two teams who did not agree that they should come back was the Lakers and the Clippers, both LA teams. So during that meeting, Udonis Haslam looked at LeBron and said at LeBron, look, you are the face of the NBA. The NBA goes as you go. So he said, he asked LeBron, what do you decide? And LeBron said, we out. (laughs) Then he walked off the meeting and his teammates followed, except for Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was the only Laker that stayed. And then the Clippers followed him as well. He said Dwight's the only guy that stayed. He was, yeah. That's what I saw from the article, from the Chris Haynes article. Dwight Howard's the only Laker that stayed in the meeting, and it said, and they said that that what LeBron, how LeBron acted, it was more, it was more tense than what that article came off as, as him saying we out. It said it was, it was a lot of tension. So and LeBron didn't want the playoffs to continue. Is what you're saying? He didn't. He didn't. And so. And if you know, and you know, if LeBron doesn't want it to happen, it's not going to happen. So here's the thing about that, right? Um, I mean, that's kind of a big deal that the the face of the well, uh, for now, the face of the NBA, um, one of the top three players of all time, said, "Hey, let's not play basketball." I mean, that's kind of insane. Yeah, and and honestly, I thought LeBron would think differently because. It didn't seem like he completely would agree with Kyrie Irving when Kyrie, Ir- when Kyrie Irving originally said that they shouldn't be playing. Yeah, on one hand, um, like if if it would be it would be a scene um, if LeBron James didn't come back uh, to the bubble and like compete to win a title. It would be one thing if he 
if he stood his ground and said, hey, I'm actually not playing. I want to focus on social justice and then kind of go the Kareem, um, the Kareem route where you're kind of just like, listen, the NBA is just like kind of a side thing. Um, but, you know, focusing on our people is one thing. I think that would have been uh, an insane thing to watch because that would have that, been, that would probably be the ultimate player empowerment move, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially a player on the caliber of LeBron. Yeah. For how long he's been playing in the league. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that would be a um, that'd be insane if he would if he would have did it, and I probably would have commended him for it. I also would have took him out of the goat conversation right then. Um, but yeah, crazy. Yeah. So for more on that meeting, a day after LeBron wanted to talk to the owners and said for us to come back, the owners have to do more for the community, have to do more for the black community, use their resources, use their power. What did you say? What more do you want them to do? Um, so what he uh what he proposed is what's going on right now is that use the use the home arenas, their respective home arenas as voting centers. So for example, of uh, Staples Center is now gonna be a voting center. Phillips Arena, where we're where we're at in Atlanta, is gonna be a voting center and and more teams are opening up their arenas as voting centers to give more people and more people of color a place to vote and not wait in lines for like three out three four hours like we do in Atlanta just so we can vote. Yeah, we'll wait. We waiting for um, three to four hours, and then they come out and tell us that we can't vote anyway. Exactly, exactly, right. and and uh, LeBron actually he looked at how um, Atlanta was struggling on voting. He looked at that, and that's what inspired him to create more than a more than a vote. I think that's what's called more than a vote. So I, that's what inspired him is looking how Georgia had these long lines, these bad voting conditions, um, places with no AC where you got to stand, stand and vote. Like, and he looked at that and he, and the problem with that, it was always in the predominantly black areas where that was happening. Yeah. The places that were predominantly black didn't have any of those problems. Yeah, um, there is one thing I, I, I do want to say before we um, before we continue on with the voting, um, because I don't think I've stated it on this podcast. I really think that um, for anybody who is still going to go on the basketball shouldn't um, be happening. We shouldn't be playing sports right now. We should put a focus on social change. Um, I, I just want to make this one point. Um, I think genuinely people like me and other people who kind of just need something to look forward to during the day because right now there's very few things that are going on in the world where I'm kind of just like oh thank goodness right because like the world's kind of just like going to shit and everybody tweets it out every single day 2020 sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah let's get 20 20 over with we need an outlet and I don't think that we can go into this uh these next um you know the, the back four the back four months of this of this year um, with the same mindset that we've, we've been having. And I think that basketball has been oddly therapeutic. I feel like a lot of people have, have. I, I feel like um, the vast majority of people have kind of calmed down because they're not listening to, you know, CNN and Fox News 24-7, where they're kind of just like saying, hey, hate the other side and let's, you know, let's rally. Um, sports have kind of just been that thing where it's just like, hey, listen, um, things are going to kind of get back to normal, but we're still going to be focusing on the other stuff. So I don't think that it's taking away from, um, the social change at all. I actually think that it's bringing people closer together. So I'm. I just want to say, you know, please keep basketball before people like me lose 
uh, lose our minds. Oh yeah, I I agree. Me and you both. Yeah. Me and you both. But like I said, I'm glad that they used that platform as a warning shot. Yeah. And and also just want to throw this out there. Okay. Um, uh, also going off of player empowerment, um, they're like, I'm really interested to see where the league goes in the next couple of years because the fact that they didn't play, I feel like if they did this. 20 years ago, maybe, uh, maybe 20, um, definitely 30 years ago. Uh, I don't know what the NBA would have done, but I feel like there would have been really harsh consequences. And um, I think that oh, uh, definitely the league would have reacted in a really different way. And the fact that the players have so much power right now, and I know that's an odd thing to say during these times, and I'm not saying like, you know, they're capitalizing on their power or anything like that, but it's very um, strange to see how much power they have. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what player empowerment is really going to look like in the next couple of years. If like players are going to start signing deals uh, to the point where they're just like, Hey, uh, give me a hundred million dollars, but also give me like 2% of like your sports franchise. Like that's how much power these um, guys are going to have. It's going to be interesting to see. Well, LeBron already owns part of sports team. So, I mean, we already have that going on. Aaron Rodgers owns part of the Bucks, So he, and he spoke out as well, but there's two main things on why players are so empowered right now. One is the money, of course. course. These players are getting paid huge contracts. Highest sports contracts in any sports. Yes, yes, for the NBA. You got Harden getting a $40 million a year deal. Yeah, Chris Paul is getting $40 million for the next two years. Exactly, Chris Paul as well. And number two, social media. Yep. These players are influential. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they were influential before, but now with social media, they're able to grow their platform to levels of that, that are unheard of before that Jordan couldn't even uh, bring. Yeah. Think, if Jordan was, think if Jordan was Jordan in 2020. Think of Jordan of 94 was Jordan in 2020. Jordan of 96 was Jordan in 2020. Honestly, you know how influential it will be? Yeah, honestly, after looking at... Um... The Last Dance and seeing like how popular he was, like he would be, it would be insane. <laughs> I don't even know. Like he'd be the biggest thing, uh, period. Just how popular his shoes, the commercials were. Think now if he had a platform where he could pr- promote it himself, other companies will promote that more to people in different parts of the world. But here's the thing, oh, though, right? Saying um, how, how influential he is, yeah, he'll he, be. He'll be super influential, but then also on the, on the flip side of that, like the... Oh, gambling. Yeah, no, not even the gambling. He, like, he would just be perceived as like the biggest asshole <laughs> in the world. He'd be, that's, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's who he was. I mean, he was a competitor, but I mean, he was also kind of a dick. I won't say, rest in peace, Kobe. I won't say Kobe's the level of Jordan. And he's not really an asshole, but at least yeah. on, competitively he is. Yeah, Kobe's kind of an asshole. Well, no, yeah, that's what it is. So he, not, off, not off the court, he was an asshole. Yeah, not yeah, off the court he was fine. But, I mean, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, on I mean, the court, from, anything related to basketball, like, he was an asshole. From, from what I've read from Jordan, even off the court, some people can say he's an asshole. But, I mean, probably. I mean, that's what it takes but, to be great. That's true. That's true. But um, if if I say if Kobe could manage that, 
then I think Jordan could have as well. If if Kobe could manage that persona and keep it keep it just in, inside the basketball court where no one really perceived him to be an asshole outside, yeah. I think Jordan could have managed that as well. The gambling thing, now, I don't know if he could have got away with that. I think he could. You really did? You do? Because uh, watching The Last Dance, when they said that David Stern, when they tried to when they tried to bunk that gambling rumor, mm-hmm. that David Stern didn't retire him because of gambling and tell him to come back, come back later, I kind of disagree with that. I kind of still nah, think there's validity to that I, rumor. I, I so think I, that is I, a really great conspiracy theory, but I don't think it's true. I always knew about that rumor, and to me, that makes <laughs> I won't, I won't say that affected his dad's death because that's just very insensitive. And I look, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't even alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was a baby back then. I don't know. Looking at the facts and not even like, because I did a hardcore Google search because I didn't know about like they were blaming um, the whole gambling debt on his dad. I didn't. Oh know yeah. Anything. I, um, oh yeah. I knew about that before the last dance. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I knew his dad died. I, uh, I didn't know that they were blaming Jordan because of his gambling, but yeah, I did a hardcore deep dive like hardcore deep dive and um it doesn't make any sense um that it connected to his dad's death that doesn't make any sense he was doing like really insane amounts of money but um somebody was putting it into context and i don't i think it was jay will i think it was jay williams who um he was putting it into context where it was like listen every nba player gambles and we don't gamble like y'all where it's like twenty dollars like twenty dollars to jordan is like a nickel I know, but I think Jordan is even on another level to NBA players. Well, yeah, like, well, yeah, that's why he was gambling with that with that one dude, that that billionaire, because like that's the status that he's at. He's at, um, you know, multi 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 millionaire status, owning your own shoe company status. You know what I mean? Gonna own the Charlotte, uh, gonna own the Wizards and the Charlotte Hornets status. He was gambling games he played in, like a beast. That's what I would do. <laughs> I was that good. But I don't know. I just feel like we would probably see some more news about that that would come out if he probably. was playing 2020 that he did not disclose in the last dance. Probably. More than likely. Yeah. yeah. And probably news about a lot of other things with Jordan that he probably didn't disclose in the last dance. But, yeah, these... Say again? A bunch of rumors. A bunch of, bunch of rumors, true. Yeah. Just like there's a bunch of rumors with, with a lot of NBA players, but... Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? But what I'm just trying to say is that these players just have so much power now are so influential that they are they are more valuable to the team than the owners are. Steph Curry, for example, he makes the Warriors billions of dollars. He doesn't get paid billions of dollars, but he makes the Warriors billions of dollars. Think if he decides, like, no, I'm not going to play. You know, you know how much money they'll lose? The Warriors? The not even just the Warriors, the city of the San, of the, the Bay Area, the city of San Francisco and Oakland. Yeah, you know how much money look of uh, Cleveland lost when LeBron left to Miami originally. Well, you want to know what's um, kind of crazy that you said that about Steph. Um, the league's numbers, and obviously it's uh, I'm talking about like before Corona, the league's numbers were like not good, and I think that's primarily due to the fact that Steph Curry wasn't playing. That's true. Yeah. The Warriors were trash and Steph Curry was hurt. And even when he came back, it still wasn't the same Warriors. Yeah, and everybody was kind of just like it felt it felt like a, a solid like two million like people like just stopped watching the NBA because Steph wasn't playing. That's what it felt yeah. like at least. 
Steph, because Steph, especially to kids, he's their hero. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, that's why when you say like LeBron's like the face of the league, I'm kind of like, eh, like LeBron is better than Steph, but Steph might be. The I say they're both faces of the league. They're both faces of the league. Like for a little kid, if you want someone to look up to, it's Steph Curry number one. But a guy who's like a ambassador for the league, a guy who speaks, the spokesperson for the league, that's LeBron James. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So how much money that Steph Curry generates? It's it's more than what an owner owner can fathom. So mm-hmm. if the, it's just not like twenty years ago, like you said, if these players just stop playing, the owners are in an uncompromising position where they will have to give in to the players' demands. Yeah, and even um Michelle Roberts, we could talk about this part of the meeting. Michelle Roberts. The uh the executive of the NBA trying to get her correct title. I want to give her the executive director of the M- NBA Players Association, National Basketball Players Association. She was trying to talk to the players about the financial ramifications, and Patrick Beverly wasn't having it. Patrick Beverly didn't let her speak. Patrick Beverly kept interjecting and interrupting where Michelle Roberts just said, like, please, can I finish? And Patrick Beverly said, no, we pay your salary. Damn. And then that had to – it came to a point where Chris Paul had to keep Patrick Beverly in check because he was like, no, we're not going down that road. I mean, that's pretty – that's mad disrespectful. That That, that is. That's, like, that's an awful – like, like, who do you think is <laughs> – that's so disrespectful. I don't even know what to say to that. That's beyond the, one of the most disrespectful things I've ever heard in my entire life. The thing is, that's the most the court, Beverly thing ever. Like, if anyone was to say that of the of all NBA players, first person that would come to my mind, oh, Patrick Beverly. That would be literally be the first person. I won't think about anybody else. And someone told me someone said this remark to a to to someone that to a sixty four year old woman who was just trying to explain do her job and trying to explain the financial ramifications. But like, oh yeah, Patrick Beverly. He he's most likely to say that. Yeah. Some Kelly Loeffler type shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, it was it was tense. It was tense. Yeah, but um kinda I'm gonna let me test out this transition. This uh you know okay. it, even if no matter how much um, power the players hold, regardless of the fact, you still got to get it done. You still got to get it done. Like the Clippers or the Celtics and the Raptors. Or All right, we could work with that. We could work with a, that. It was a C plus transition, I know. Or the Jazz and the Nuggets. But anyway, we got games today. We got games today. The NBA is back. And I'm done being sad. I want to talk about some nice things. Some nice things that are happening today. All right, all right, yes. So let's talk about some nice things. So the Raptors and Celtics are currently playing as we speak. I say this will be one of the more evenly matched series. They both have two things in common. or well, one thing in common. Well, they both swept their first-round teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Celtics with the Sixers, the poor Philadelphia 76ers, who now doesn't have a coach, and the, the Raptors, they swept the Brooklyn Nets, who also don't really have a coach. Well, Jacques Vaughn, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so who do you think will win this series right now? 
Well, so far with both of these teams, I'm two for two. I predicted they would both sweep. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, <clears throat> pretty even, to be honest. It's a pretty. It's pretty. Um, it's a lot more even than I think matchup wise, because I think that they both can throw um, um, some different lineups at each other, and I think that um, they both have advantages and they both have disadvantages when it comes to those matchups. So I think that it'll be pretty tight. Um, However, I will say this, and this is the reason why I'm going to pick the Raptors to win in six. Here's why I'm going to pick the Raptors to win in six. I don't know how healthy Kemba Walker is. I don't know. And if he is like 80% or 70% like he's been, I don't think that they can get it done. Because I really think that they need Kemba in order to um, kind of kind of get it done. Because I don't think that you can rely on people like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for like an entire series. Plus, um, even though... I say you can't, but the way they've been playing recently, I don't know about that. I think you probably could. No, I think you could lean on them, which you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't lean on them. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when it comes to those two players, like you, when it comes to the Raptors, you just are going to need more because the Raptors have so many lineups that they can throw at you, so many lineups that they can throw at you. And they can honestly match them blow for blow, which they're not doing right now. They're getting absolutely dominated. But they can – Yes, they are. Yeah, they're getting absolutely dominated. But the Raptors, I mean, you know, in terms of big man-wise, they're going to they're gonna thrash the Celtics. But the thing is is that the Celtics are shooters. So You don't like Daniel Dice? Do I like Tice? No, I don't like Tice that much. I think Tice is fine, but I think that he's going to get um, bullied by Gasol and uh, Siakam. Gasol has been pretty good over the past. Over the past he year. has, but I like Tice defensively, and he has very good movement. I do too, but you also got to think, like, Tice isn't going to be defending um, Siakam or Gasol on either possession. You know, that's going to be Tatum and Brown's job. Yeah. Or Smart, depending on what they want to do. So, yeah, they're going to have to figure out a way to stop both of those guys. Plus Serge. I completely forgot to include Serge in there too. Yeah, plus Serge Ibaka as well. Yeah, both teams are kind of very similar. In the way they both got two mastermind coaches who didn't really make their names in the NBA. And you also have just teams with no really defined superstar. I mean, Kemba Walker is a star, but I won't say he's a superstar. And you could say Kyle Lowry is about the same boat as well, in the same level. Yeah, yeah, we got we got Tatum's on who's on the way becoming a superstar. You probably could say Siakam's on the way becoming a superstar. So you got two. Two, huh? I am definitely saying that with Seattle. I'm second team all NBA. He's on his way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you got two rising young players mm-hmm. in Siakam and Tatum, who are both cornerstones of their respective franchises. And don't forget about the hundred twenty million dollar man, Fred VanVleet. Don't you for dare forget about Fred? Van Vliet. I wasn't forgetting about him. You also got your good scorers, Fred VanVleet for the Raptors, Jalen Brown for the Celtics. I say, yeah, these teams are very similar. Of course, Toronto Raptors got more size than the Celtics, as you mentioned, with the three big men, Siakam, Ibaka, and Gasol. Mm -hmm. While you could say the Celtics just have, they just have wings, like wings for days. They got Tatum, Jalen Brown. Then you got Romeo Langford off the bench, giving you some athleticism. You got Semi Ojale giving you defense. They just got a lot of versatile pieces yeah. that they can put together. Yeah, Semi has been 
really bad though. That's one thing I will say. Semi Ojale has been really bad. Him and Wan. Yeah. Wanamaker has been fine at times, but yeah, Semi has just been. Whew. Yeah, Wanamaker's been a good backup point point guard, but they got is. But what I was trying to say is they just got many lineups, many players that can at least play a role. Both teams do. Yeah, and um, I will say this. I think that it is genuinely going to come down to uh, not just Kemba. It's going to come down to Lowry, too. Because Lowry has kind of been um, – he's, he, he's really felt like the backbone of the team. Really hasn't been, like, doing anything insane. And I think that uh, both of those guys um, – I'm not going to say they have to step up because everybody has to step up in the playoffs, but it's like who I feel like it's going to fall on both of those guys to let's see who can who can go out there and get it done. But I have the Raptors in six. I mean, Lowry to me has always been more of a steady guy. Yeah. He's, and I feel like for right now, for this Raptors team, he offers more in leadership. I don't know. He's still an amazing player, but mm-hmm. even if he doesn't uh, – doesn't like load up the stat sheet. He will still offer more as leadership and defense for the team, and he'll do things that's not seen in in the stats, well, well, as in swapping for and getting the right calls, taking charges. Well, yeah, I was. Um, I should have been more specific. I was actually more talking about on the defensive end because of like you were saying, like how many wings they have is like kind of ridiculous. So they're gonna need um, Kyle Lowry to step up in um, in terms of like the defensive side of the ball. Oh yeah. Whereas Kemba, oh, yeah. Kemba needs to step up with the scoring because that's I think that if Kemba can give you like that, you know, those that solid twenty one points a game, um, I think that um, the Celtics could find their way um, playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I believe so too. I, look, the way Tatum has been playing has been amazing. The way Jalen Brown's been playing is amazing. Jalen Brown, like at times, he looks just as good as Tatum. At times, he at looks time. like he could be better than Tatum. To be honest, that too. At times, he looks like he's the best player on the floor. Yeah, because especially just his two-way ability is just ridiculous. Yeah, and he's just so athletic that jump shot has has come up leaps and bounds. I remember in college and even in high school where he could not shoot that at all. He was really just a dunker. Yeah, terrible at Cal. But but yeah, Mm -hmm. and even even in Wheeler at high school, he still couldn't shoot that three either. But in the NBA, he went from being a non-shooter to being a guy you cannot leave open at all. That where if he shoots, that's if he's wide open, that might be automatic. Yeah, I would I would say it's probably definitely automatic. Yeah, he's just a very interesting case because that jump shot just like opened up his his entire game. And I think Jalen Brown is actually a really solid example of a guy who has um who his form wasn't really that bad. So like NBA coaches, could yeah, really it wasn't. Can, uh, yeah, so they were able to work with it. But I also want to point out that that is a very um, – that is one of those cases where it's just like, do you see that, Ben Simmons? This is what happens when you just shoot threes. <laughs> and if you become a good, good shooter, play, people have to respect you, and then that opens up an entirely new world of your game. But if we're talking about forwards, Ben Simmons' form is awkward. So It is awkward, but all I'm saying is that the last, like, five jump shots he's um, he's taken, he's made, like, two or three of them. So it's like it's not like he's a really? bad three-point shooter. Just take him. Let's that's, see. that's true. Let's see if he's bad or not. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's my Ben Simmons hey, today. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. That draft was the 2017 draft, correct? Or 2016? Ben with Simmons? the J- Jalen Brown. Yeah, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Ben Simmons. Um, I think that was 16, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, two, okay. So two, probably 2016. Well, we have Ben Simmons, number one. 
to the Sixers. You had number two to the Lakers, Brandon Ingram. Number three, Jalen Brown. At first, rookie year, this those top three picks, well, Ben Simmons, of course, got hurt his rookie year, but those top three picks, well, I guess outside of Ben Simmons, it, it was perceived as weak, as Brandon Ingram, number two, and Jalen Brown, number three. But looking back at it right now in 2020, that's about as strong as a top three you can get in any NBA draft. You got three guys who could become perennial all-stars. Yeah, I would say that it's probably um, – I'm really, like, like thinking really hard. But um, from my memory, I think that's probably the best top three in the past, like, 20 years. It might might be, yeah. and it was it, the ironic thing was that some people were saying that was going to be the worst top three that we've seen in a while. That just in the beginning, like when they were rookies, because everybody thought it was look. By the way, Ingram and Brown were playing; that was going to be a weak draft. And the fact that Simmons got hurt, people were doubting if if he can stay healthy. Listen, people are already team doubting team. Simmons before in LSU. So yeah, I mean, my whole thing is just like. The Celtics at number three, it's just like they can I don't think they have ever picked a bad player at number three. Ever. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So if there's any team I'm going to trust picking in the top three, it's 100% the Celtics. I always liked Jalen Brown, even though he was a little bit underwhelming at Cal. I, w- I said this about Jalen Brown. Like, he might not be that dominant in the college game, but I feel like for a player like him, he would benefit with the open spacing in the NBA game, and he can use his athleticism. My comparison with Jalen Brown was to Mar DeRozan, because he had that athleticism. He had that same build. I feel like he, I feel like he was always going to develop a jump shot, not this good, but I felt like he was always going to develop one. So I, um, I don't know what I comped Jalen. I think I comped him as what I hoped Shabazz made. Uh, Shabazz was going to be. I think that's what I said. About Shabazz him. Muhammad? Yeah, because you remember Shabazz was kind of just like that super athletic guy. I was just like, yeah, he's Shabazz and he, Shabazz cared about Honestly, him. Shabazz Muhammad never really struck me as super athletic. He, I just thought he was In skilled. high school, you didn't think so? Because that was one of the first high school mixtapes I ever saw, and I was just like, dang, who's this kid? Just well, in high school, everybody's athletic, but at least when I saw him in college, he didn't really strike me as super athletic. He kind of strike me as kind of slow. He was just a guy who could score. Good. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Shabazz. But we also didn't know he was like five years older than everybody else. I'm just kidding, like two years older than everybody else. But Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Yeah, that was weird. Also, I just want to say this, that 2016 uh, draft, pretty terrible, <laughs> pretty bad, besides Buddy Heald and uh, Karis LeVert. Pretty bad. Just wanted. To, I just wanted to say, and Jamal Murray. I didn't see that name there. And Sabonis. Okay, maybe not that bad. Okay, Jesus. It was. A, it was a pretty good draft. I mean, your all your drafts in your lottery. You also. You're always going to have some guys who never pan out. That's that's kind of guaranteed in every draft. So I mean, Chris Dunn at number five. I still like that pick. Look, Chris Dunn. Like I said, I'm with the St. John's. So I'll got to. Would, you would, take, would you, you, say? you would take Chris Dunn at number five <laughs> again if you were doing this draft? No, well, I'm, I, I was saying I didn't blame Minnesota because I was just saying I went to St. John's. I was in the Big East school. I watched Chris Dunn in Providence. He was unreal. He looked like Jason Williams, white chocolate Jason Williams. Well, it just at the time it made sense because it's like Minnesota needed a point guard at the time. Um, not only did they need a point guard, they uh, they needed somebody who was actually going to. Um, 
who's going to kind of give them a little bit of a spark. Plus, he was like a Thibodeau guy. He was like the stereotypical Definitely. point guard. So, I mean, that pick made um, – yeah, I would say that pick made all the sense of the world at the time. I just felt like he was just in a bad situation. I think that was the worst possible team he could go to because a point guard who can't shoot when you're already on a team with Wiggins, it just wasn't a good fit. Yeah. I didn't even see the leadership at the time. He just I felt like he would have went to a different situation and he also got hurt a lot. If he would have went to a different situation, he would have turned out much better. Because I was still so on Chris where, where do we go there where he has a better situation? Because Phoenix at four, I feel like at that point in time, um, with all of those different coaches, that would have been a bad situation. Um the Pelicans, maybe, but even um, like you said, the Pelicans had uh, at that time, I'm trying to think, no shooting, right? At that time. Not that I recall. They took Buddy Heald, or if they, I think they would have took Jamal Murray over Chris Dunn if they were there, just because they needed uh, somebody who would shoot. Denver might have made sense, maybe. Denver, no, they already had Emmanuel Moutier. But they picked Jamal Murray. Yeah, because Jamal Murray could play shooting guard. Yeah, that was that was the that was the thought with Murray. He could also play shooting guard, and he could play them together, or he could play them in point guard. True, and then you have Marquise Quiz at Sacramento. Hell no. Um, no. Maybe Toronto at nine. Who knows? Marquise Chris, it's like this guy, I mean, he was raw in college, but just with that athleticism he had, you just thought, like, you know, if he put the tools together, he could have been good. Yeah, he could have been yeah, he could have been great. And then Karis You could have said the same thing with Dragon Bender. He could have been good if he I think if he just had more confidence. Yeah, honestly, looking back at this draft, um, I really do not understand how at 15 they took Juan Hernan Denver took Juan Hernan Gomez. Karis LeVert was on the board, even though Karis LeVert had all those injuries. It's like, how do you, Denver? Come on, because Denver was because Denver was uh, striking it rich with all their foreign big men. So like, hey, let me take another foreign big man and see what happens. And then I just realized this. They passed on him again for Malik Beasley, who I don't even think Malik Oh, oh no, Malik Beasley is good. I'm not Malik, Malik Beasley isn't good. That's not what that was about. That was about passing up on Karis LeVert right before that pick. Which yeah, but Malik Beasley, what, just what Malik Beasley offers that Karis LeVert doesn't is consistent three-point shooting. And for what Minnesota, because Malik Beasley's in Minnesota now because Denver couldn't afford to have all these good draft picks. So he's in Minnesota now, and he was lighting it up for Minnesota before the NBA shut down. Carousel has become a much better shooter when ever since he, um, yeah, but ever since this he's gotten mortar, um, ever since he's gotten on the floor and he hasn't been dealing with injuries, he's but, a better shooter. But when you were drafting, he wasn't a shooter then, so you're not going to, like, draft him like, oh, he's going to be a three-point shooter in the future. Malik, but I'm saying three-point shooter. Malik Beasley's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. That's how good he is in terms of three-point shooting. I, I love Malik Beasley. I'm, I'm high on Malik Beasley, so you can't you can't get on me for that. You can't um, – Criticize you for that one. Well, yeah, you, I, I'm not gonna let you go with that one. I'm high, Malik. He's been one of the best. Shooters not, he's not Karis Levert, of course. Year. Good. Are you just saying this, this year he's that good of a three point shooter? Because he's not the one of the best three point shooters in the league this year. Um, I haven't watched a lot of Malik Beasley. I don't know, but I can tell you this: I know for a fact. I mean, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this year he's been one of the best three point shooters in the league, and he just hasn't really been getting playing time for his career because he couldn't. For his career, I know for a fact it's under 40. And if you're one of the best in the league, you shoot over 
Well, his career, his career is 39%, so that's elite. 39% is elite. 40 percent's outstanding. Thirty nine percent's elite. Forty percent is elite. No, thirty. No, thirty nine percent. Forty. I've had this conversation with so many people. I, I, forty percent is elite. When you start hitting forty percent from the three point line, which plenty of people in the NBA do, that is when you're. That is when you become elite. <laughs> plenty of people. Plenty. 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 Like more than you okay. think. <laughs> like like who? Like who? I know Kyle Korver, JJ Reddick some years because he takes so many, so probably not always. But who who else will come to your mind? I know for and like, yeah, forty two. I, I know. For, okay, I'll I'll just go with the ones that I know for sure hit over forty percent. The ones that I know for sure. I know for sure that George Hill hits like forty five percent from three. I know that for a fact. Um. Seth Let's Curry. check the facts. Seth Curry. Well, Seth, Seth Curry is arguably the best three-point shooter of all time. Duncan so, Robinson. who? Duncan Robinson. Duncan. Well, Duncan Robinson is also like right now one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, like you, uh, Chris Middleton shoots over forty. Um, yeah, Chris Middleton's as well. Like Bo I'm Young. saying, like who? Bojan. Also, as well, like yeah, you're naming, just, you're naming. I said more than you think, and you every single t- every single person that I say, you're just criticizing. Well, like, yeah, I'm, I'm saying people, every guy you said, I'm not surprised, but these guys are like at the top of the top. I'm saying, well, I, I, okay, I said okay, you're right. I said the word elite, like he's a, he was great three point shooter. Like elite means like the top like 25 people in the league, and I don't think he's okay. the top 25 shooter in the league. Oh, and uh, George Hill has been shooting 46% from three. Okay, so I stand corrected. All right. Yeah. Also, like Danilo, I'm pretty sure, shoots over 40. Olenek, I know, shoots over 40. Like I could see Olenek and Danilo. I just say Danilo, Danilo probably shoots so many threes where it's probably not. Oh, well, I, okay, he's been 40. He's been, all right. You, you've been getting, Okay. Let you know, out, you, let me shout out my um, my San Antonio guy. Uh, I just found this out. Davis Bertans apparently shoots. Oh, oh, out. Davis Bertans, yeah, Davis Bertans is has I think he has the highest three point. At least before the All Star break, he had the highest three point percentage in the NBA Davis before Davis. the All Star break. Yeah, it's George Hill. It's I, I think it's George Hill now, but before the All Star break, it was Davis Bertans. Yeah, so I mean, just give me this. Like he he's a good three point shooter. He's not elite. He's not a top 25 guy. He's just not. I'd say he's a great. Okay, so there's good, great, elite. I'd say he was great. But this year, he was elite because he was shooting 42%. And he was averaging 20.7 points per game for Minnesota in those 14 games. So he was he was balling for Minnesota. I'm, so I'm saying, like, look, Malik Beasley was a great pick. That's all I want to say. Was, I mean. It was, no, it was a great pick for the time. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was a great pick, and I, I like Malik Beasley. I like him coming out of college. So, yeah. Say it again? I still would have took Paris, even at the time. You say you – I mean, you look, yeah, Karras was – Before the injury was just a, was a top um, – I think he was a top 10, top 14 guy. And then he gets injured, and then he drops all the way down to twenty. We see it every single year. It's just like, oh yeah. my god, he's hurt. And then I don't know if I want to take him. And he turns into. Bulls Thing is, with Karis Levert, that kind of foreshadowed his NBA career because he always gets hurt. Yeah, true. So, yeah, very true. Anyway, let's get back to Look. let's get back to NBA playoffs because we missed um, another game that's happening today. Ironically, about Malik Beasley, the Nuggets Jazz. 
Nuggets, Nuggets Jazz. Jazz. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, who? Um, I know I picked. Um, I actually picked uh, Utah to win this game. Um, if they win, if they win this game, then um, I'll be four for. I think I'll be four for five in, in terms of my predictions. I'll be very happy with that. But um, who do you have? Who do you, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, Utah right now is going to win this series. Uh, I didn't. I underestimated how depleted the Nuggets team is. I've really underestimated um, Gary Harris, Will Barton. Those are two crucial wings on a team that's not really that deep in wings mm-hmm. because they kind of traded them away to Minnesota, as we mentioned. So, I mean, I know they got Michael Porter Jr., but he's still young. Yeah. And, like, the lights have probably have been too bright for him. He's been making some mistakes. He's been scoring still, but he's been making some mistakes. That's been hurting mistakes. the Nuggets. Yeah, he's making a lot of mistakes. This is just what happens yeah. when you lean on a guy who's really playing like crucial minutes for the first time in his career. That's what happens. Exactly. It's, it's like he's still barely played in the NBA, if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. So they are missing a lot. And I feel like if they had their full team, if I feel like they had their full team, they could beat the Jazz, but because they don't, I think the Jazz are going to finish it. Jamal Murray has been playing out of his mind. Yeah, um, he's been looking like he's finally taking the next step into stardom. Okay, I I want to. That is actually one thing that I I'm glad you brought that up because that was one thing that I have absolutely forgotten about. Um, because I don't even know who it was. I think it was first take or something like that. And you know what they do? They they always say like the dumb things, like, "Hey, um, you know, who who would you rather take?" You know, you know those scenario questions, like those really dumb questions. Yeah, click clickbait. Yeah, clickbait. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, when they're just like, "Who would you rather have, Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray?" That was a an actual question. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell, but I mean, Jamal Murray's been playing unbelievable. I understand he's been playing unbelievable, but let's let's understand what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who is inconsistent which he which he is yeah even to say that he he's even been inconsistent in his playoffs where like i think in game one um i don't remember how much he had i think he had like a i think he had like a 35 point game but we're just like oh my god jamal murray's like coming on the scene very next game he drops like 10 and then he drops 11 i think in game three i'm actually like trying to um scroll past and look this up yeah game three um, he has 12 points in game three, and then he drops that, um, that 40 point game and then the 50 point game. And it's just like, yeah, Jamal Murray is going off, but let's understand that Donovan Mitchell has been the man in Utah. Oh, no. The reason why I didn't say Donovan Mitchell has been going off is because we've been expecting that. That's because we've been expecting that. So that's why I didn't even mention it. But yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm about to say Donovan Mitchell is even better yeah. than, than Murray. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm saying let's just stop with the whole "Who would you rather have, uh, Jamal Murray or Donovan?" Oh, Mitchell. no question. I don't know who is having that conversation and why that. No question, Donovan Mitchell. But I don't even blink. Yeah, just stop that. Just stop. Because <laughs> let's be clear, the only way that the Nuggets win this game is if Jamal Murray drops another forty-point game. Because it kind of seems like they 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 can't just only rely on Jokic. They need another guy to step up. And Jamal Murray has been that guy, but yeah, he's not going to be that guy this game. He's just not. The thing is, he's been dropping these uh, like forty-plus point games, and they still they still lose sometimes. So yeah, and, and, yeah, that's what happened in Game Four. He drops fifty, and they lose, and they lost. Yeah, 50. it was a two-point game. But I mean, um, in their last game, at least, 
he had a yeah because Donovan Mitchell dropped fifty one, and then he also had more support from his team. Yeah, and then he dropped thirty, and they lost, and then and then obviously the last game, you know, forty two eight and eight, great game, but um, Jamal Murray is just prone to have having a bad game, just like. I just want to throw this out there. Um, you remember when you said Paul George wasn't going to come back? Where's Paul George? And you didn't think that he was going to have a have a 30, 40 point game. You remember that conversation? I believe I had said that. Yes. And probably one of the most dominating victories in Clippers. History. That, that shows playoff. P was listening to this podcast. That's what it shows. I'm just saying he was due. He was due at 30 point game to let everybody know that Paul George still exists and I guarantee but tomorrow. what he said post game that game it cut I was kind of right I he he basically said he was in his head and that he was doubting himself and it seemed like that watching him play it seemed like a guy just didn't have confidence and he basically said that so that's what he was going through yeah I mean um and the sad thing is is that if he's bad um against the Mavs today um they're going to lose well, I think I think the Clippers now have have been tired of the BS. I I think they don't want to lose anymore. I think they're going to finish it out. Well, is they're it not going to let Mavericks beat them anymore? After that game, yeah, I think Clippers got it. Um. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I I still think that the Clippers are going to win solely because I think that um after yesterday, also some more bad news. Um, Chris Dass is out. Um. Yeah, for the series, right? Um, I don't know. If yeah, he's he is. The whole playoffs, but he's definitely out for the series. Um, I think that's huge. I think that's huge. I still think that. Um, I think that the Mavs could probably pull it off today because I think that um, Paul George is gonna have a bad game. Um, if he has a good game, I think they. I think they win. But I still think that it goes to seven. I can still see a Maverick scoring a hundred and ten plus because it seems like they always score a hundred and ten plus. But what the Mavs have been doing is smart. The Mavs are just like, listen, we're not as talented as them. We're not as athletic as them. We're not um, straight up. They're not as good as them. So basically, what they're doing is like, hey, let's just jack um, every single time down the floor. Let's shoot as many threes as we possibly can and see if we can stay in there. And it's a good game plan. I mean, they got Doncic, they got a Curry on their team, yeah, they got scores, they got Trey Burke, guys who create off the dribble. Can I ask you something also? Because I've actually yeah. been struggling with this. I've been really, really, really struggling with this. Yeah. Who's been the best player in the series? In the in that Clippers Maverick series? Who's been the best player in the series? Luka Doncic. I, I, I like Glenn. Kawhi's been also pretty much unstoppable too, but it's like with the Clippers, no matter what you put on him, you even even Leonard, Paul George. It's a bucket. Um, Reggie Jackson, whatever. Yeah, it's a bucket. <laughs> you cannot guard him. And that, yeah. No matter what. You could be bigger than him, more athletic than him. It doesn't matter. You can't guard him. Yeah, this Dallas team is really, really, really scary for the future. And I think that the fact that he's been the best player in the series with Kawhi Leonard on the floor, who um, people like Max Kellerman have been saying all season, like, oh, he's the best player in the league. And I'm like, I don't even know if he's the best player in this first round series against the Mavericks, who they should be blowing out. <laughs> Not at all. Like, I, it's, really it's don't, I, I really think that Luka Doncic is the best player in this series, which means that as of right now, like Luka is playing like a top five player in the league. 
Luca is 21 going on 32. That's how mature he's playing right now. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, I get that he played well. I I think I think that's very understated because this guy is not. This is not a first time playoff person. This is not his first time in the playoffs. No. He was playing high pressure pressure situations in Europe. So probably just like he probably has no nerves about this. They're like, hey, I won, I won MVP the Euroleague at age eighteen. Oh, this is this is just another day at the office for me. Well, my thing is, is like that. I I understand that point, and I I don't have a problem with that point. My thing is, is just like the team is just not as talented as the Clippers. They're just not. It's not. And granted, they the Clippers are all fit well. They all mesh well together. I think that's what's scary about them. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, is like the Clippers at times during the season, like play like the best team, one of the best teams I've ever seen, honestly. Like when they're all clicking on all cylinders, it's like that's the best team I've ever seen, like top to bottom. Like when they're all just yeah. firing off, and we saw that with that um that hundred and fifty four point victory. I'm just like, wow, from, that's that, that's insane. From top to bottom, the Clippers have the most talented group of players in the NBA from top to bottom. That's what I'm saying. So it's like when you look at this roster without Chris Stapps, you're talking about guys like Boban is getting minutes, Seth Curry, Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleber, and uh, um, who's the big man? What's his name? Um, Powell. All these guys are getting yeah, minutes. Powell. Even JJ I saw was getting minutes out there. Um, but like the team shouldn't be winning games, and it's like Luca's coming in here playing. Not only like people are saying he's playing like a thirty year old. No, he's playing like a like a thirty year old like like monster superstar like type player. That I'm starting to like wonder. Like, all right, in five years, what does this guy look like? In when his career is over, like this, I think that this playoff series right here is like letting us know, like, hey, we're watching a guy who could very well potentially end up being a top 10 guy when all is said and done. I mean, I've seen people make these statements already. I think it's a little bit too far-fetched because let him play in the league first before we shit on the legend. He's, he's the best player in his very first NBA playoff series. I don't think that – I don't think oh, we oh, can no. debate it because, like, no, this year this, when him and Chris – This is the statement I was about to say. This is the statement I was about to say. Okay. Do you think he's the best European player of all time? Not yet. People are always saying that. Not yet, but I mean the, the trajectory. I, he will. There. He will. But it, he will. you can't take that over Dirk just yet. We can't take that no, over not Dirk. Yeah, I'm saying like in the future. If you, if I told you, I'm from the future. 15 years in the future, Luka Doncic's career is over, and he is the sixth best player of all time. That's not a crazy thing to say. I'll be like, wait, he wasn't higher. That's that's probably what I think. You think he can crack top five? That's a tough <laughs> basket, man. I, I'm I'm saying you see how good how good he is right now. Like he's who really knows? Good, he's really he's good. I mean, he's really good. It's, I don't think that he will be in the Mike LeBron, Kareem, Bill Russell conversation. I don't think if he wins championships, there. who knows? The thing with Luka Doncic too is what you also gotta like think of. At 21, he's this good. His game is not relying on athleticism at all. So so how long can he play at this high level? I think he could give you at least. 13 years at this high level. I would say at least. I would say four. Uh, I would say 15. If LeBron, yeah, yeah, I could say 15 too. Yeah, at least, at least around that at a high level because yeah. this game has no is no is not athletic based at all. No, he plays that old man like YMCA league type of game, which I think is perfect. 
So he if he he so he's going to give you this type of production for that long in the NBA. So I wouldn't be surprised if he if he goes up there. Yeah, like I was hurt. That's the that's the thing that's probably going to be the most scary part about it. Yeah, I was certain that Giannis was going to be the best player after LeBron. I mean, you could say he's the best player right now, he but yeah, yeah, but in terms of being the face of the NBA, the just figurehead where everybody knows she's like the definitive best player, I thought it was going to be Giannis. I've already but, said that the face, of the, might be the face of the league in five years, in my opinion, is going to be Luka Doncic and Trey Young. I think that they were just tied at the hip from the draft. I can see that. Together in, in history. And as long as this Atlanta pick ends up being good and Atlanta starts going on this trajectory of success, I think it's going to be Luka and Trey. They just have that those those polarizing games that everybody that everybody just wants to watch. It's perfect. Yeah, Trey Young, Trey Young has, is going to have that Steph Curry appeal among kids, so I can see him being a face in the league mainly for that as well. Yeah, even if yeah. even the Hawks just don't win. Yeah, and even um, the, the Hawks have to win. They have to win some games. They have they they have to. If they don't win games, it's just not the same. But if the they, they're just a meddling playoff team, I can still see him be, becoming a, a face yeah. in the NBA. Because I, I mean, look at Allen Iverson. If he was just like a meddling playoff team who can be go to Eastern Conference Finals here and there, I can still see him being the face of the NBA. Yeah, I don't know if Trey Young will be as marketable as Steph Curry, but he'll definitely be close. Because to me, he's a little bit more relatable than Steph. The kids love him. The kids love him, too. Yeah, because, I mean, he's a normal-looking dude. He's um, barely six feet tall. I'm even struggling to call him six feet tall, to be honest with you. Um, And, you know, he's a small... He looks like a normal person. He looks more normal than Steph. He looks more normal than him, and I'm just like, well, he has the success. I mean, he's going to be an inspiration to every kid in America. Yeah, even Luka Doncic, you could say the same thing as well. The kids love Luka Doncic, oh, and international kids love Luka Doncic. Not, not just international. Like I've, I remember I, I went to like a gym like a few months ago. Like I just seen like little kids just shooting deep threes and trying to say Luka. They don't even see. They didn't even say Steph. They said Luka. Savage. And I think just. Just that first name, Luca. I, I don't know. It just probably rolls off the it's tongue. Perfect. It's the perfect yeah. first name, especially for yeah. an international superstar. It's perfect. And then just like he always smiles all the time. So like you always have like these memes with him. Yeah, he's a goofy I guy. Think, yeah, he's a goofy guy. Like, yeah, I think he's he's marketable as well. Yeah, I'm trying to see that Twitch stream, to be honest. I feel like he would have a solid Twitch stream. Oh, yeah. Luca. Yeah. It'd be a great. Yeah, he's a pretty young guy too, so he can relate with kids, younger kids of this generation. Yeah, yeah the, the NBA's in good hands after LeBron retires. Yeah. And LeBron even said that. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, to get back to the original point, all I'm saying is that for a first playoff series, for the first time we've seen him in the playoffs, um, hats off to Luka Doncic. Because if this is the first thing that we're seeing, I mean, only great things can follow. Only great things. It's like, what a passing of the torch for the Dallas Mavericks. You had. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, and then literally, like right at the twilight of his career, you draft Luca, and then Luca is just taking charge of this team. Um, the Mavericks just fit so well. Like you mentioned, that the Mavericks don't have as mu- nearly as much talent as the Clippers, which is true. But you see two opposites. You see Clippers who play like an AU team at sometimes, so you just got a bunch of individuals, and then you see the Mavericks that play as a collective unit. Yeah, yeah, and. Um... Yeah, it's very. It's that's why I think it's going to be so interesting when uh, 
when Porzingis gets back. Because I really think, like, all of those people who keep saying that um, Luka and Por- Porzingis is going to be like a Ben Simmons and uh, um, what you call it, Joel Embiid no. situation, I'm like, y'all no. are so dumb. Like, y'all don't understand that. This is their first season playing together. Um, Chris Saps has n- kind of been on and off all season. He hasn't, really he hasn't played in, like, two years, right? Yeah, hasn't even played in two years. He's in a brand-new situation. So it's like, give him uh, a year. Next year, I guarantee you that this team – just surrounded by shooters also if they can find a way to keep trey burke and uh and tim hardaway who seems like he's actually not empty calories anymore he's actually giving you like efficient minutes like that team is going to be very good for years to come very 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 good rick carlisle might be like the first coach that can use tim hardaway in a in a great way yeah, in an efficient where he's not hurting the team <laughs> it's crazy it doesn't make any sense but it's great I love Michigan basketball. So, what do you think the uh, the Mavericks need? What are they looking for? I know we need they need defense, but like any specific players that they need for the coming years to help them become a championship contender. You know, if I'm being really, really, really honest, if they can find a role playing defensive wing guy who can kind of guard a bunch of div- uh, positions, I think that's it. I think like a Tory Craig player like that, Royce O'Neal. A guy like um, I would have said, you know, the funniest part about it is, um, you remember what I th- uh, you thought Mikhail Bridges was gonna be, like just this three and D like subpar Trevor Ariza type guy. I think that's all they need is a Trevor Ariza type. Granted, yeah. every team needs a Trevor Ariza type. Like every single one needs one. But if they can find that, even a guy like Iguodala, I feel like could have helped a lot with this team. Or PG. I- I, f- I could see Iguodala, even though, given how he was with the Memphis Grizzlies, I don't know if he would have felt the same. I don't know if he would have felt differently if he went to the Dallas Mavericks. But Dallas is a different situation than the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies were kind of like, I feel like the Grizzlies are in this mode where they're like, yeah, we have John Morant, but we also don't know who we are or what's going on. With Dallas, is just like, yeah, we know exactly who we are. Like, we're rolling through Luka, and Porzingis is also here, and we kind of just, like, fill in the gaps. I feel like they know who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I, I think that's what they what they need, just like a defensive wing who can guard multiple positions. I mean, Maxi Kleber, he's, like, the the closest thing what they have. Yeah. He's a four that guards fives, guards some perimeter players, but just another another one of that. Probably like a more perimeter perimeter oriented version. Yeah, I don't think they need any, Yeah, I don't think they need any scoring. I think they're fine on that end. I really think that they just need a defensive swing man in order to get into real genuine playoff contention. Yeah, and I've seen rumors they don't don't need a point guard. Luca needs to be the facilitator, the main facilitator of that offense. They do not need a point guard. Yeah, what they run in the lineup is fine. Playing Seth at the point, playing uh, Burke at the point, right? What they run is fine because look, with Luca, it gives you it gives you more flexibility. Just add more scores. You don't need anybody that can facilitate because Luca is your main facilitator. I remember seeing rumors that they wanted to get Chris Paul. They should not focus on players like that. I feel like that would only hurt the team because you need Luca at at his best role, and his best role is being a point guard of the offense. Yeah, I would say um, I've just thought about this. I think that the best player for them, if they can find a way to swing that trade, I don't know who they would offer, but if they could find a way to get a guy like Matisse Thibel, I feel like that guy would be perfect for them. I can see that. That or Lugenis Stewart. They're not, yeah, Dort's not going that's, anywhere. That's not going to happen either. Yeah, Dort's not going. 
I think the the Tybal trade could happen because I think that they're gonna have to figure out um, how they want to explode the team because the the Sixers are are breaking up. Even though I personally don't think that that's the best option, it's happening. Whether whether you want it or not, the Sixers are gonna get blown up, and I think that Tybal could be a piece in that. Do you think Ben Simmons or Embiid could get traded? I think either or. I think that if you're going coming at it from um. A championship perspective, I think that um, letting Joel Embiid go it makes the most sense. If you're going at it from a who, like, what would the or like who would be the right guy to give up in terms of like the fans being upset? I think that um, getting rid of Ben Simmons would make more sense because the Sixers fans I feel like love Joel Embiid way more than they love um, Ben Simmons. But I think that if you're going to chase rings, Ben Simmons uh, keeping Ben Simmons is the move. Yeah, yeah, I feel like keeping Ben Simmons is the best scenario. And honestly, if I'm GM, I would not even think I would try to tro- trade Joel Embiid if I need to trade one of them. But I still won't trade either of them. I will wait till they get a new coach. I did show you that article that I texted to you, and I did, I did man- make mention to it last week. So I feel like it only makes sense for the Golden State Warriors. They're not gonna get them. Yeah. Say again. They're not gonna get them. <laughs> They're not. They're not. But if I'm the Golden State Warriors. If I'm the GM, this is the first thing I'm going to try to do, try to get Joel Embiid. Their coaches got fired. They might be looking at a change of direction. I got the number two pick in the draft, and he might be the missing piece for them to become a championship contender again. I'm going to see if I can get Joel Embiid, if I'm going to stay Warriors. Even though I don't think it's going to happen either, but if I'm the GM, I'll be pushing for that. I mean, obviously, if you're the GM, you should be pushing for that. The only problem is is that if you're going for Joel Embiid and you're the Warriors, it's like you're going to have to give up a piece of the trio. That's only that's only issue. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. Who, the, who are you going to give up? Who are, who, are, who would the Sixers be like, all right, this is a weak draft, and we get the second pick, which honestly is a terrible pick. If you're in this draft, I've been saying it for a long time. If you're in this draft, the right spot to be picking is between that five and ten. Right? You know what? There's too much risk the, too. The biggest, the biggest trade that the Warriors could give to the Sixers is cap space. The Warriors have a 17.2 million trade exception, so they don't need to equal up to Joel Embiid's contract. They all, they only need to do is trade him a cheaper contract and then trade with Joel Embiid, and then you get the second pick of the draft. So if you want to get James Wiseman or if you want to get someone else, and then just rebuild from there. uh, With Ben Simmons as the focal point, you can. Here's the thing about that, right? the Sixers' best plan is giving up Joel Embiid so that they can dump one of the one of the horrific contracts that they have because they have yeah. this cap space for the next four years. Yeah, <laughs> first that's that's what I'm saying. So first order of business, if yeah. you want to so, give up the cap space, give up Joel Embiid, and then try to dump the other two guys, Horford or Harris. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can't have um, you can't have Wiggins, Clay, Curry. Draymond's contracts and then add Joel Embiid and then add another person. Even if you dump Wiggins, right? Even if you dump Wiggins, you can't take on those contracts because then you're just screwing yourself over if you're the Warriors and just But are they if they're winning championships? See, I feel like I feel like it's no problem if you take on bad contracts if you're there competing for championships. That's what the Cavaliers did with LeBron. If you're if you're winning championships, but like I've said is Joel Embiid the right guy in order to win championships? Because we've been saying it for a while now. Joel Embiid takes games off all the time. This is what I say about big men. Big men are horrible to build around in today's NBA. 
But if you already have an established team, then I'm not big saying they wouldn't be the favorites. That's not what I'm saying. They're, they're, they wouldn't be the favorites because they would. However, I just think that taking on a four-year deal of Al Horford's contract or Tobias Harris's contract, if you're the Warriors, just makes no sense. If you're going to be because if you don't win the championship, you just screwed yourself out of however many millions of dollars in luxury tax that you just got screwed on. Say the same thing for the Cleveland Cavaliers when they paid Tristan Thompson and J.R. Green these ridiculous contracts just so they could compete again. I mean, yeah, a lot of teams do it. A lot of teams do it if you're trying to win. And, and Steph Curry makes money for that team. So, like, hey. But here's the thing, we, right? Here is what exactly what you just said. If you're Cleveland and you're winning championships, look at where Cleveland's at now. Like, what do you even do if you're Cleveland? Well, that's just because LeBron is screwed for the next 10 years. But they, LeBron gave Cleveland their first championship. You think they'll take that back right now just because they're in salary cap hell? Like, no. Salary cap hell and and they're in purgatory for the next 10 years. So you think they'll take that championship back? It's a sacrifice you will have to make to win a championship. A lot of teams do it. Lakers are doing it right now. A lot of Warriors teams are doing it right now. Like, Clippers trade away Shea Gildas Alexander. They trade away their future just so they can get Paul George, who was coming off a hip injury. I understand what you're saying. What I am saying is, or shoulder injury. What I'm saying is, right, if you're the Warriors, you're not Cleveland. You're not Cleveland. You have three top titles in the last, what, five years? Three titles? Three titles in the last five years. You have a Steph Curry, who's arguably one of the most marketable guys in the M- if, if not the most uh, marketable guy in the NBA, and the greatest shooter. You have the greatest shooting backcourt in the league. You have Draymond Green, who I who I think is going to have a bounce back season because Draymond running the team is just not how it goes. Draymond is a is a is the greatest role player you will ever have on your team. Not like Scottie Pippen, but more like he's the greatest like non-focal point complimentary guy. piece yeah he's just a complimentary piece you, guys. you add wiggins into that on top of that plus this number one two overall pick who's going to be james wiseman i just want to throw that out there um then you add james wiseman you still have eric pascal this team is a this team is going to compete for a title adding joel Embiid to that to just screw yourself over for the future makes no sense because it's like if you don't think title, james wiseman will make them compete for a title if you don't win a title, you just screwed yourself. If you don't win a title, because I guarantee you, if they don't win a title that first year, there's no reason of keeping that team around. Because now it's just like, all right, I have six guys on this, these ridiculous. Con- plus, I don't even think the organization could take on that much money without like, without having to like sell the team. <laughs> they can't take on all of those contracts. Plus, if I'm the Sixers, I don't want Wiggins. In that trade, I don't want Wiggins. I don't want your number two overall pick. None of this. The trade just doesn't make sense for me. Well, if I'm the Warriors, I don't have to trade Wiggins. Like I said, seventeen point two million trade exception. You can you trade just another, another ten million dollar contract. You have, is you have to take two contracts. You have to take Joel Embiid plus Tobias Harris's contract or Al Horford's contract. You got to take both. You can't because they need to get rid of Wiggins. Hey, if, if I'm the Sixers, if Warriors are like, hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to take either Tobias Harris or Al Horford, so I can get those horrible contracts off of you. And I'm like, look, I don't want to trade Embiid, but you're taking those contracts off of me. You're getting a second overall pick in the 17.2 million trade exception. I'll take it if I'm the Sixers. But the Warriors wouldn't do that. It makes no sense for the Warriors. I mean, if the Warriors, I wouldn't take on the bad contracts. I'd be like, look, it's just only for Joel Embiid. 
But if I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to take on the bad contract from the GM for the Warriors. I just want Joel Embiid. If they want me to take on Tobias Harris or uh, Al Horford, and I'll be like, no. Oh, you can't take on those contracts without dumping one. You have to dump. You have to dump Wiggins' contract. You have to, because then you're just screwing yourself. You're done for if you don't. If you can't, you can't take on those salaries. You just can't. I, you I have to dump one. You have to dump one, or else you're literally you're going to go bankrupt. Because that look, will screw the, like it will screw you into purgatory if you don't win. Look, I'm the type of GM that if I have a championship caliber team, I am not waiting around. Especially when you have players like Curry or Thompson. I don't want another team. If want another keep run. Joel Embiid on the Sixers is the best option. Keep them on the Sixers because if they somehow figure it out, or because actually they're never going to figure it out. Keep them yeah, there. If I'm the Sixers, I want them. I said, I'm the Sixers. I want to keep both of them. If I'm the Warriors, I would want to trade for Embiid. But if I'm the Sixers, I want to keep both of them because I want to see if another coach can figure them out. Because they only had one coach, they only had one mind. They need to see some different ideas from a different coach before I break them up. I don't even know. I'm getting upset because it's like this trade will never happen. Him going to the Warriors just won't happen. It won't. Hey, it's fun. It's a fun. fun. My thing is like, there's another team who's just gonna make a better offer. Another team is just gonna be like, hey, listen, San Antonio is like, hey, you know what? Here's Lamarcus Aldridge, Bryn Forbes, and um, sent to uh, Sixers, hmm? to Sixers or to Warriors, to the Sixers for Joel Embiid. I'll give you my first round picks for the next four years, Bryn Forbes. Can you actually see the Spurs actually making trades like that? That doesn't seem like a very Spurs trade. It doesn't seem like a Spurs trade, but to be honest, if we got Joel Embiid, which literally I think would change the franchise if we got Joel Embiid, I think that would change the franchise in a completely so, different direction. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid as the focal point of the Spurs. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if that sounds good. Here's the, I, thing. Here's the thing. Joel Embiid at times... I want to be very clear. At times, looks like the best player in the world when he cares. And if there's any team, any team that can get that out of him, it's the Spurs. Because the fact that we've gotten the best version of Bryn Forbes, who is just a knockdown three-point shooter, that guy starts for our team. I just want to throw this out there. A guy who literally doesn't play defense and averages 13 points a game, who only shoots threes, that guy starts for our team. The one position that we do not have is a solid center, and Jakob Portal is like okay. But if we got Joel Embiid, that shores up that position right there. Boom, done, right? And if there's any person that can get the best out of Joel Embiid every single night, you don't think that's Greg Popovich? So if I'm the Sixers, why would I accept that trade? Four years of first round picks, which is the only thing that the Sixers have cared about. Um, but. On top of that, if you refers to Joel Embiid, those first round picks are not going to be as good. Maybe, but you still get first round picks. And honestly, four first rounders, that pick doesn't, you know, the Joel Embiid trade doesn't work out. The Spurs are still a lottery team, then that trade works. And four first rounders, I mean, shoot. On top of that, you get, on top of that, I'm giving you a Marcus Aldridge, who I think compliments Ben Simmons. Um, Way better than Joel Embiid, in my opinion. Well, I think there's a rule now where you can't contr- you can't trade consecutive first round picks anymore because I think that'd be a 
enforce that rule after the Nets screwed themselves over with that Boston trade. So I think you can't really do that anymore. And two, one first round pick. Um, I think you guys like skip a year. You can't just do consecutive. All right, I'll give you two first round picks, Lamarcus Aldridge, Bryn Forbes, and any other player that you want that's not named Demar Derozan or Dejounte Murray. You telling me they wouldn't take that trade? Derek White. Sure. I still want to take that trade though. <laughs> Why did you say Derek White? <laughs> Because I thought you were going to say, well, I'll, I mean, the first person I would take if you're not going to let me get to Shantae Murray, because I don't, I won't even care about the I, I don't, if there's one player I'm not Derek giving up, if there's one player I'm not giving up, it's just Shantae Murray. I don't want to give up Lonnie Walker either, but if I have to give up Lonnie Walker in order to get you all, I would take it. But yeah, Dejounte Murray just has too much. You know what? Don't feel like one of those lopsided trades that 2K will offer you when you're playing my league. Yeah. I'm taking I'll take Joel Embiid off your books and then I'll also take Tobias Harris I still won't take that you wouldn't take that because you're, you're giving me a Marcus Aldridge back I don't want a Marcus Aldridge I'll give you DeRozan I don't want DeRozan either I don't want any of those back contracts you don't want anybody nothing I don't want DeRozan only person I'll be interested in from the Spurs is DeJounte Murray. And Lonnie Walker. Why would you want DeJounte Murray if you're the Sixers? You already have Ben Simmons, who's literally the most elite version of DeJounte Murray. Because you can just have two. Well, and that too. And on the Sixers, I don't need DeJounte Murray. But if I do have DeJounte Murray, you can just have defenders. And you can play Ben Simmons at the center position. Well, you already have one of the best, be the best at. in the league. Why would you want DeJounte Murray to add to that just so you can have no more shooting for Ben Simmons? That makes no sense. But if I'm, if I'm the Sixers, I wouldn't trade with the Spurs anyways. I'm just saying, like, the I'm most... Saying that, I'm most saying that's a good trade. I'm giving you one of the better trades. What I'm saying and the more the road to be even worse than the Sixers, because he doesn't shoot threes. That's what, I'm saying. He, that's what I'm saying. I'm giving you LaMarcus Aldridge, who can shoot threes. Not great, but he can shoot threes. He stretches the floor better for Ben Simmons. LaMarcus Aldridge is washed up. Just listen to the trade before you start okay, okay. to the trade. I'm giving you two first-rounders. I'm giving you this year's first-rounder, which is the 11th pick, which is probably one of the better picks in the draft. I'm giving you another first-rounder, okay? I'm giving you another one. If I can give you a third one, I will. But if I can't, two first-rounders. I'm giving you LaMarcus Aldridge, who fits better for Ben Simmons than Joel Embiid because he stretches the floor. I'm giving you Bryn Forbes, who is a three-point shooter, which is literally the only thing that the Sixers have needed ever since J.J. Redick has left. I'm giving you Derek White who is a better point guard for you than DeJounte Murray because he can play defense, not as good as DeJounte, but he can play defense, and he can also put the ball on the floor, which is something that Josh Richardson has just refused to do, right? And then you can have any of the youngsters that you want, any of them. Do you want Keldon Johnson? Sure, you can, just because you want another defensive guy. Do you want Lonnie Walker, another defensive guy who can't shoot threes? Go for it. Do you want... Lucas uh, Sabanchitz, who at times looks like he could be really good, but other times he looks like Mario Zonia. Sure, you can take whoever else you want, but I'm giving you two of the things that you need, draft picks and three-point shooting. What more do you want? And if I'm the Sixers, I would say no deal. <laughs> Nobody on that team is going to get me to trade Joel Embiid. No one. So you'd rather just... I'd rather just get a new coach, which they're going to do. It's fine. And see if that team can work out. I think that that I think that team puts you back in the playoffs. It puts you back to where you were <laughs> in a better position. But who knows? Like, 
um, with Bucks, for example, when Bucks had Jason Kidd and all that, they were just like first, second round, if even if that playoff team. Once they got Budenholzer, they became a championship contender. You you need to see what a different mind can bring you. You need to see what different rotations that different coach can do. So who do they bring in? They bring in. Let's say they bring in Fizdale. I don't like Fizdale. I really don't like Fizdale. Maybe he's the Knicks, but the reports I've read about him in the Knicks. The Knicks don't matter. The Knicks they don't matter with Tyron Lue. Or Greg Popovich. Uh, that team. I don't like Fizdale as a coach. I don't like Fizdale as the I feel coach. Like people hopped off the Fizdale train ever since the whole New York incident. Which my thing is, is like he shouldn't have took the Knicks job because it, anybody who takes the Knicks job is going to get fired and might not get another head coaching position ever again. Do you not agree with that statement? Because anybody who goes to the Knicks, it's like purgatory. It is. It's like the worst possible job you could take. Dave Fizdale was uh, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, who honestly. Did a phenomenal job with that roster. He did phenomenal job. Assistant head coach or assistant coach. I shouldn't. That doesn't make any sense. Assistant head coach um, for the Miami Heat championships, and then he goes to the Knicks. And to be honest, in my opinion, did as good of a job as you can do with the Knicks. Did as good of a job as you can do because that roster was horrific. No point guards. No shooting. Eighteen thousand power forwards. What do you want them to do? Um, well, Julius Randle, for example, I think Julius Randle was one of the players that benefited when David Fisdale got fired because he just didn't know how to use him. So he can put up 40 points a game and still lose. I mean, yeah, but still, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not really sold on Fisdale for the Sixers. I think they need a guy that can like who? That's put, the thing. put them over the level. My whole thing is like there's no championship quality I don't want to play Kenny Atkinson because I feel like he doesn't need to be on a team with egos. I think Chicago Bulls are best for him. In my opinion, not even that good of a coach. You don't think Kenny Atkinson's that good of a coach? Not better than Fizdale, not better than Tyron Blue. Look at the team he had with the Brooklyn Nets before before the Superstars came in. And look at what he did. Look at what he did. At what he did. And what he did with the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, what did he do? What I mean, do? oh, D'Lo. Okay, sure. Even, even like the first year when D'Lo was hurt, like every every other game, he made like Spencer Dinwiddie. That's when Spencer Dinwiddie broke out, and that team was meddling with the play. Yeah, it was better than you. Playoffs. But what about this all team was the purgatory because of that horrible trade they did with the Celtics? This is the thing that I don't like about NBA coaches: is that it always ends with what you did the last year you were in the league. What about all the years prior? Kenny Atkinson did nothing with that roster until the last year that he was there. And then all of a sudden... Did you see who was on that roster? <laughs> did you see who was on that roster? That roster was not as bad as I thought it was. I yes, that. Look, Chris Avert was always hurt, so we can't even factor in Chris Avert. Chris Avert was always injured during the Kenny Atkinson time. I like how injuries always play a factor in certain conversations. But he was all. But I'm saying, like, they had no one on that roster, aside from D'Lo. D'Lo was D'Lo was always getting injured that first that first year with the Nets. So it was Spencer Dinwiddie who made a name for himself. That te- that team was a lot better than what it was supposed to be, and I feel like that has a lot to do with Kenny Atkinson. Um. All right. 
four years, four years with the Nets, 2062, 2854, 4240, 20. Do you, okay. I mean, the rock, that, that rock was absolutely trash. I'm saying 2834 to start the year. 2834, okay. you're telling me that this year's roster is, is that bad to go 2834? No, well, I'm saying with this year's roster, this year's roster, we're still losing games. How many games did Kyrie Irving really play? Even in the beginning, he was, even in the beginning, he was sitting out. He was playing. Even even in the beginning, he was sitting out. Because remember where he was going through some things. Twenty games. Twenty games. Yeah, twenty games. And this year, when they only forty. And look, I don't like to. I didn't want to factor this year for Kenny Atkinson because I feel like this team was. Nah, it was like he got Kenny, he got Kenny Black. I mean, he got David Blatt. He got David Blatt on this team. This was not the team he signed up for. Kyrie Irving is not a not a player that just any coach can coach. Brad Stevens proved that. He needs a specific, specific coach to him, a specific coach where he respects that he thinks he's not smarter than. than. Where is David Black? I really don't know, but he's also another coach he's that never, should be in conversations. Yeah. I don't think with the Sixers either. What the Sixers need is a player that both of them will respect, but also know how to use Simmons and Embiid right, where Simmons is not running point guard. So Mark Jackson. Could be, but also he might be blackballed, so I don't know about that either. You go with these four coaches. You go with Dave Fisdale, Tyron Lue, David Blatt, or Mark Jackson. Those are the three coaches that you use. What about Alvin Gentry or or uh, Nate McMillan? Nate McMillan. Nick McMillan we can talk about, but I'd still rather have the other four guys. Over Nate McMillan? I don't know about no Nate McMillan should have been fired. All I'm saying is that I knew, knew you were getting fired. All I'm saying is that you said with this roster they went 28 and 34, right? Granted, no Kevin Durant, but still Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Spencer Didwilly, Tayshon, uh, Terry and Prince. Sorry, um, Jordan, um, Timothy, who has kind of DeAndre Jordan's past his prime. Yeah, just ignore the rest of the roster. Um, Karis Levert. Kyrie Irving. Wait, why do I have to ignore the rest of the roster? Because <laughs> we had nobody. 20 games with Kyrie Irving. Um, that's a good enough roster. I mean, Kyrie Irving for the Celtics, he's not really much of a difference in the win-loss record. In the East. In the East. That's a better roster than to go 28-34. What did Kyrie Irving do with the Celtics? He did better than 28-34. Because Celtics had a better team surrounding it, surrounding him. Isn't bad. That the players that I just named are more than capable of getting you to a forty-five win season. More than capable. A forty-five win season. Yes. You're telling me with Kyrie Irving as the head of all the players that I just mentioned, it's a. But like I said, like you said, Kyrie Irving only played twenty games. Yeah, twenty games in a forty-game season. Had and they had chemistry issues because you had essentially like. Three point guards in the roster with Levert, Irving, and then Dinwiddie. Chemistry comes from the top. Comes from the top. It doesn't come with the players. It comes from the top. That's where chemistry issues come in. I mean, yeah, but this is still not the team that he wanted. Man, you need a lot of excuses now. A lot of excuses. Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, I feel like his firing got pushed by Kyrie Irving because he doesn't want that coach. He wants a different coach. So now, you're to blaming, coach. so now you're blaming Kyrie. Uh, 
Could be, yeah. I'm, I'm probably, yeah, boy. We got Kyrie. I mean, it's the same thing with the Celtics. It was the same thing with the Celtics and Kyrie. He did not respect Brad Stevens. He didn't respect Mike Brown in Cleveland. It, Kyrie Irving, he's a tr- phenomenal you know, are player. Are you saying right now that that Kyrie? Because uh, I want to make sure I'm hearing you right. Are you saying that Kyrie Irving is a locker room problem? I, I didn't say locker room problem. I just say he's oh, a he's difficult a player. Office. He's a front office problem? I can say that. He's a difficult player. He's just a difficult player to coach because he thinks he's smarter than you. Because he probably is smarter than you. Is he? Um, and just in terms of IQ, I mean, he probably is, he, like, he probably is smarter than you. But he, it's just that he, he's a player that's so talented that can do pretty much anything on the floor that he just like you can't really tell him anything. And he doesn't want to listen to anything. Okay. I feel like unless you're like a former player or something, he doesn't really respect you. Well, let's just leave it there because I don't think we're. And then Durant could be the same way as well. I mean, just think with when you got superstar players, they have the egos with them, so you can't just have any coach like the Cavaliers when LeBron came. After LeBron came, that was the writing on the wall for David Blatt. You can't just have any coach coach LeBron, even though David Blatt was one of the best coaches in the league. But what happened with the what happened with the Cavaliers? They still fired him because LeBron didn't respect him. But he respected Ty Lue. He was friends with Ty, Ty Lue. And lost more games that season. Just saying. I mean, no, I'm I'm look, I'm agreeing with you. Like, no, David Blatt is a great coach. I'm agreeing with you on that. But it was just a matter of respect, and LeBron did not respect David Blatt. So you Brooklyn, Brooklyn, listen. As much as you want Greg Popovich, you're not going to get him. So let's go ahead and stop with those storylines. Well, that's not happening. That's definitely not happening. Did you see that though? Have you seen that? That the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I, for Greg yeah, I've seen those rumors. I've seen those rumors. Only way I can see that happening is when they play him an instrumental amount of money. But even though I don't think Popovich would even do fifty million dollars, and Greg Popovich would make. He's too comfortable. He owns the Spurs. How did he go to a brand only thing I can see if he's on this Phil Jackson, like, you know what? I'm pretty much retired mentally, but I'm just going to go here because they're paying me a lot of money and I'm not going to really do my job. Spurs are going to pay him a lot of money. And even if they don't want to, Greg Popovich is one of those uh, people, I feel like, who's just like, you know what? They're paying me a good amount of money. I pretty much run this franchise. I can do whatever I want. If I'm going to, uh, if my legacy is going to be tarnished, it's going to be on me. And I'd rather do, I'd rather just, you know, die on this San Antonio Spurs hill. I mean, I agree. I agree with you as well. So, uh, is there any scenario where you think Jacques Vaughn might come back next year for the Brooklyn Nets? Because, like, who are they going to hire? That's really an upgrade. Tyron Luke. It's like Indiana. I, I just say Tyron Lue, yeah, could be Tyron Lue. He, he could go to the Sixers as well, but it's the Indiana Pacers thing with me. Like Indiana Pacers, like who? Why? Why would you fire Nate McMillan? Who are you going to hire? That's an upgrade from that. I mean, it's the same reason why they fired up. Um, what's his name? Or did they fire him? Did they fire him? Vogel? Frank Vogel? Yeah, did they fire him or did he just leave? I think it was. If I can remember, I think it was they fired him, but it was also because he wanted a lot of money. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think that also helped with that firing too. Listen, if there's one thing that I that I've noticed when it comes to certain franchises, and this is why I still don't really understand soccer, but granted, I don't really understand how um, the whole managers thing. Uh, but I understand NBA coaches. When you get a good coach, just don't let him go. You know, just just let him stay, let him figure it out. Because I feel like that's 
how you get a really good coach and firing all these coaches every single year is kind of what just like puts you in a really bad spot. There's too many knee-jerk reactions. Like even I remember reading an article before the Pacers Heat playoff started, and they're saying that the Indiana Pacers are considering firing Nate McMillan. So when I saw, so when uh, the Heat swept the Pacers, I was like, oh yeah, the rise on the wall from Nate McMillan is getting fired. Because look, I already seen an article about that before the playoff started. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm a part of me wants to say keep um keep Vaughn just to kind of see um what he can do um because i i don't was vaughn a head coach i feel like he was a head yeah coach. for orlando magic okay i don't he didn't I, know do he well, was, okay. I know he was an assistant coach for the spurs for a while um but so yeah part of me kind of wants to see what he could do with the roster but at the same time I, I really do feel this way when it comes to certain teams um that you just need kind of a, a head because you have so much talent on your roster. Because I think that when Kevin Durant comes back, I think that you can really put anybody at the focal head and then it's going to be fine. And look, he's a former player as well. He's not. He's a former player, so. Wait, what did you say? I said, as long as you put like a competent guy who's just going to run like a normal offense and not like the triangle offense or something stupid. I mean, like, yeah, like, look, you, like, you got smart players like KD. Kyrie Irving transcendent players you don't need to be incredibly tactical. You don't need device game plans like the Raptors and and, right. and the Celtics. All you gotta do is just really just let them go. Yeah, just let Kevin Durant drop his thirty, let Kyrie drop his thirty, and then let the role players fill all that. That's all you gotta do. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's talk about the um our last two playoff series real quick because I know we're starting to run out of time here. Thunder Rockets, in my opinion, the best uh playoff series. Uh, next to next to the Clippers, Mavs. In my personal opinion, I think that the Thunder Rockets is giving me more entertainment than I could uh, that I could see. But they play uh, their next game, Houston Thunder. Uh, Houston leads three to two. Who do you got? I think Houston's closing it out. Um, Rockets were winning in a blowout last game, so I see the Rockets closing it out. Um, Westbrook is back, even though he did come back struggling. Um, I think this team is the better team. Clearly, uh, Lou Dort really showed out as in as in being a Harden stopper. The ads gave Harden some fits, but James Harden at the end of the day is still James Harden. I say Raptors. I mean, Rockets are closing it out. Um, Thunder are not winning any more games. Yeah, I I will say this. Um, this is a very um solid bright spot for OKC, whereas a lot of people thought OKC was about to just go into a rebuild and it kind of feels like OKC just still is really new to the NBA and they've had like this really strange saga to the league where they kind of just like have this really young bright spot team that turns into a championship contender and then it all kind of just falls apart slowly but surely and we thought that this was the end for it but this is a bright spot for OKC but it is over <laughs> it is over it's not for yep the writing is on the wall so, but at least I still, I'm still high on the Rockets. I still, I still say the Rockets could be one of the teams that could surprise. No, I have not changed my stance at all from this series. Well, I'm glad you haven't because I think that the I think that this playoff series, even though it's been very entertaining and I've loved it a lot, I think that this has kind of been the series where I'm like, all right, I don't think that Houston can win it all. I don't think they can do it. I mean, it did kind of, it did kind of put me in some doubts a little bit, but I'm not changing my pick. I gotta, I gotta stand by my pick, and I will stand by it. Hey, listen. And like, look, Westbrook comes back. 
when Westbrook gets his footing under him, this team is still is going to look different. And I still just think they just present a huge matchup problem to everybody else. I just think Thunder just happened to match up well. They had Lou Dort. They just happened to match up well. But with I feel like with different teams, they're going to pose probably a much bigger matchup problem. Yeah, I think that'll. Um, I think it'll be interesting. The next, I think they play. Um, what do they play? Utah Jazz or Utah and Nuggets, or do they play Lakers Blazers. So they are a fourth seed. They will play the. They will play the Lakers. Wait, the Jazz are a sixth seed, so oh, they'll yeah, play. The Clippers. They'll play the Clippers. They'll play the Clippers. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. It's gonna be real. Tough. Be, I think that's, actually, yeah. I think that's. Clippers are winning that one. <laughs> more of a worse matchup then. Clippers are winning that one. Yeah, if, if Harden struggles with Lou Dort, think about Kawhi and Paul George. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's fun. Well, it was fun while it lasted, right? <laughs> it was. It was. They were my sleeper team, but yeah, Clippers got that one. All right, let's get to what I personally believe is going to be the best playoff series in all of the playoffs. Next round, Miami, Milwaukee. I think that this is by far the best playoff series that we're going to see. What do you think? See, I thought it was going to be Raptors and Celtics, but looking at the score, I don't know about that anymore. So, hey, who might be? Yeah, I um, I mean, I've been saying it since we started this podcast. I love this Miami team. You did not have them sweeping. I think you had the Pacers and the Heat going six, I think. Yeah, yeah, with Heat winning. I said they were going to sweep. I said that Pacers might win one, but I just this Heat team is just really, really, really good. Um, I think I really genuinely think the Heat can beat the beat Milwaukee. I really think they can. Ooh, never hot take. I honestly got Miami in six. I don't, I don't know if it's that hot anymore because yeah. but we're kind of underwhelming. I I, I kind of have the Heat in six. To be honest with you. <laughs> You kind of have. I don't know if I want to go there yet. I think I'm. When did, when did they play? Did they play tomorrow? I think they play tomorrow. Yeah, they play tomorrow at six. I think tomorrow I have my conviction. As of right now, I'm sitting. Uh, I'm got to say with your chest. You got to say with your chest. They gonna have our podcast till next week. You got to say with your chest. You got the heat in six. Heat in six. Heat in six. You saying it with your chest? I'm saying it with my chest. I'm sticking with it. Okay. Sticking. With so it. say say it one more time for the people in the back. For the people in the back, Butler, Adebayo, Robinson, and Miami in six go to the Eastern Conference Finals with my chest. Okay, okay. I love the confidence. I just really like this team. I really do. And now that Kendrick, oof, adding Kendrick Nung in another, into that lineup, it's just not fair. Yeah. Who do you have? I'm now you, I'm guessing you have the Bucks. Now you know what? I got no, yeah, I definitely got the Bucks, but I do think that he will give the Bucks a run for their money because they just defensively they'll give the Bucks fits because I feel like they probably have the best equipped players outside the Raptors to defend Giannis, and they have a lot of perimeter defenders too that can defend the shooters, and they also got shooters themselves. And Kendrick Nunn is now um, getting back in the form as well. So he's going to be more involved in the rotation. Yeah. I so I would, I would say Bucks. I was going to say seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're. Are, are you going to move? But 
I would say no. I'm gonna say Bucks and seven. I'll say Bucks and seven. That's fair. J- Jimmy Butler will match on Chris Middleton mostly. Probably put Bam on Giannis. I feel like it's gonna do exactly what the Magic were doing. Which yeah. is basically not putting anybody on Giannis, which is basically just like flooding the entire paint with um with players and making sure that Bam is like uh watching Giannis at all times and kind of just closing down the paint and just being like Giannis, you know what? You can shoot, but this driving kick shit is just not happening. Yeah, but, uh, you basically like a quarterback spy on the NBA basketball on Giannis. Yeah, plus I can see that. Plus Miami as a, a fast break defensive team is actually not that bad. Um, you know, with all their um athletic wings that they have. Um I don't know. I just think that the lineup of um Bam Butler, Crowder, uh Drogic and uh Robinson, I think that that entire lineup right there is just a very um solid defensive lineup for Giannis. And that, it is. that's the only thing I'm looking at. Because in terms of guards, the guards are, you know, Drogic, Robinson, and Hero um, are all going to shoot, uh, like, I think a total of, like, 12 threes to 24 threes between them. And they're going to smack half of them. So, I don't know. I like the matchup. I like the match. I like the matchup. It's, it was a pretty bad matchup for the Bucks. I still see the Bucks winning it just because they just got a transcendent player. But the X factor in this series, if the Bucks want to win, is Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, I think Eric Bledsoe needs to step up because Middleton is going to be defended by Butler. The whole team is going to be on Giannis. Uh, Eric Bledsoe needs to step up and be that third, that third three. Well, that yeah, yeah the third star of that big three. He needs to, he needs to be that this series. Yeah, he needs to be that first team all defense that I that I know he can be because um, yeah, the thing is, is that the X factor, ironically for the the Heat, is the guy that it's been for the entire first round, and that's um, Duncan and Drogic. Those are the two been the X factors for for Miami's success all season. So it's really up to blood cells, like kind of figuring out like, all right, Dragic has been quietly dropping 20 a game for the entire series and nobody is kind of locking him up. So he has to kind of focus on him. Yeah. Dragic has been looking like Phoenix Sun scoring Dragic. But yeah, no one's ever really been talking about him. Dragic has had a Kawhi um, B-side, a B-side Kawhi type season where um, I've been telling everybody, Kawhi has had his, his statistically best season he's had all year. Yeah, it's like when you watch it, it's like, yeah, he's having a great season, but you wouldn't think that he was having this unbelievable season. It's the same thing for Dragic. Dragic has had a quietly, sneakily great season that nobody is really, um, that's really, uh, nobody's talking about like at all, which is kind of strange. Yeah, and he was doing most of this playing backup. He was a six man candidate. Yeah, actually, statistically, want to look this up. Yeah, um, in the past, uh, you know, compared to last year, what he was doing, he's averaging he's averaging higher numbers across the board in every statistical category than he was last year. Granted, last year he was hurt, and now you know he's been mostly coming off the bench, but he's had a great year. Yeah, and I I really did believe that we probably saw the best of Gordon Dragic after yeah. from last year. I thought we saw the best of him, but then this season he's been looking like the Gordon Dragic of his prime. Yeah, so, so he's definitely not out of his prime. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see what Giannis ends up doing because I think that this this series is a legacy type thing for Giannis, where I think that we're really going to be looking at him um, very differently compared to like how this series kind of plays out because this could be a um, a stereotypical like fun, like you know that great player moment 
that we always talk about. Yeah, this could be as the uh, Portland Trailblazers and the D- Detroit Pistons for Michael Jordan. Yeah. This could be, yeah, or this could be the whole Dallas Mavericks series uh, for LeBron. This, I think that. This, oh yeah, I think that this right here is that playoff series. Yeah, and, th- and this team is probably going to be like that for the Bucks for years to come because they're still all relatively young. Yeah, and actually, I meant the um the Celtics uh, series with uh, LeBron James in 08 when Rondo was out playing them. That was that was kind of sad. But um. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I think that this is that type of series. But I'm excited, man. I'm really excited for the future of NBA basketball right now. All right, so JC with the Heat in six, and me, Shady, with the Bucks in seven. So we will see. Let's we see. will see. Yeah, we will see. And you, you know what else? I think that um, I had a good transition right there. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say that um, you know, the league is looking pretty clean, but let's mess it up a little bit with some messy talk. No. That's bad. No. That's bad. No. Um, I'm going to retire real quick. Is that okay? Yeah, let me just do the transitions from now on. Uh, yeah, I'll leave them to you. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that was a messy situation. So let's uh let's talk about Lino Messi. You see, I couldn't even do it anymore. I couldn't even do it yeah, anymore. Yeah, I screwed it up. I screwed it up for this. Yeah. Lot. That's my bad. All right. But let, let's just talk about Lino Messi. Um, he wants to leave Barcelona. He recently didn't even show up for the team's coronavirus testing because he believes in his mind that he's not a Barcelona player anymore. So the writing might pretty much be on the wall because what this looks like is he's probably not going to show up to practices, to play. He's probably just going to sit out like a regular player who wants to get transferred. The right, even though uh, Bartomeu, Bartomeu, Martin Mayu, the Barcelona team club president, he says he will step down if Messi comes back. And Messi always wanted Martin Mayu to step down. Looks like that's not even going to get him to come back anymore. He's just done. He's fed up. And he wants to leave. So the there's there are rumors of teams that want him. One is, of course, PSG, because one of his best friends, Neymar, is part of the team. Also, another one is Juventus and Yo, that would be scary. Even though both guys are still con- are headed towards the twilight of their careers, Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo on the same team yeah, I mean, is unreal. I mean, you really, it would be a bad fit, but unreal. Yeah, the thing is, is that you really can't even say that because I mean, Messi is still like on top of his game. I mean, he's had he had an incredible season, and oh, uh, Ronaldo oh, yeah. second in the league in scoring, still still scoring twenty goals, uh, twenty plus goals. So I mean, yeah, that that team would be really disgusting i don't think that that i don't think that the league needs that thing is i say it'll be a bad fit is because you still got basically a poor band's messy on juventus already paulo dibala so you, you're going to have to you can't play both of them on the same team they, they can't even play in argentina which is why dibala sometimes never plays for argentina well, because they can't fit together i think the biggest problem with argentina is that they try to play like 85 strikers at one point in time but that's all they have yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I think with argentina is a lot of the players were influenced by messi so they always they all want to be like messi so if you notice a lot of Argentine players play kind of like Messi, just not as good. Yeah. So you have nothing but attackers. The Bala is another example. Just a guy who's like a like a center tech midfielder striker 
false nine, just like Messi. They all play like Messi, but not as good. You have some that differentiate themselves, like Aguero, like Latara Martinez, but they're also strikers as well. Yeah. Um... So many center-attacking midfielders, so many um, um, ball-playing central midfielders that have no defenders. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that, um, yeah, I, I don't think that um, the Juventus move makes sense. I don't even think the PSG moves make oh, it does. Make sense. There's one team that does make sense, though. Um, the team that he named uh, the day it happened. Yep, Manchester City. With yeah, Pep Guardiola, his former manager. Yeah, the thing and, is, like, the one position that um, could put Man City over the top is Messi's position. Like, that's all they need. <laughs> And, put put them over the top permanently. Liverpool won't even be able to compete anymore. Yeah, I don't. Um, that would be a really, really, really scary situation. Um, but the thing is, also on top of that, is that Barcelona has been saying the same thing ever since all this has gone down. Is that if you want Messi, you can pay the seven hundred million dollar release clause, and they've been saying that every single day. But Messi also has a clause in this contract, but it was put in effect pre pre. Corona that if he announces his intention to leave, mm-hmm. but but like before this certain date, I think it was before June, it was it that was he can leave for free. Yeah, it was but, before you said it. Say it again. It was a week before um um he made the announcement that he wanted to leave when the clause was a week before. So he was a week late. He was a week late, but yeah, but that clause did not factor in coronavirus. Because the season would have ended that time. It doesn't matter. A contract's a contract. And that's the only problem. Yeah, but that's that's what his agent's fighting for. His agent's fighting for that that contract needs to be updated. Listen, that contract I, doesn't matter because it was supposed to count towards the end of the season. And technically, that season just ended. Well, this is the thing, right? Because we, we talk all the time about um, – we talk all the time. We talk today um, about player empowerment. And um, how it's not the same. It's not the same thing in every single league. And I feel like players are always more powerful in soccer in the beginning. I think basketball is now just getting there, but I think in soccer, play, players are always more powerful. It, it's yeah, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. And um, if anybody is going to be like, listen, it doesn't matter because I'm messy. I'm the best player on the planet until somebody rips that title away from my hands. Um, Barcelona is really screwed because, like, regardless of the situation, is that Messi can whole say like, "Oh, seven hundred million dollar release clause. All right, fine. I'm I'm just not gonna play. I have enough money to last me like forever. You don't have to pay me nothing. Like, I just won't play. Then just force you to sell me. Because what is and- Barcelona gonna do? They really get like Barcelona's in the worst position for this. Like they're in the worst position. What they should have said is, it's like, listen, we'll take the highest bid. I think that that was the smartest play for for Barcelona. Like, we'll take the highest bid. We're not going to send Messi wherever he wants to go. Whoever just gives us the most money, that's where he goes. I think that was the smartest move. And Messi was also angered as well with Ronald Koeman, who basically told Luis Suarez that you don't have a place in this club, and also told a lot of their aging players that they don't have a place in this club anymore. Because they're trying to get younger, and that angered Messi because he doesn't want those players to leave as well. So, which is why he wants to leave. And yeah, I think what you said is right. I mean, look, Messi has been an icon for Barcelona, but eventually you will have to move on. And this team seriously needs to get younger. They seriously need to, to build new stars. Yeah. So, 
Hey, this might be a rumor. I don't know how true it was, but I seen like a deal offered by Manchester City. This could be a rumor that it was Gabriel Jesus or Bernardo Silva, and it was one other player I'm missing. But it was another young player, and if that if that was plus plus plus, I believe like seventy million. If that was true, Barcelona should take that. Because you're getting three young players for the price of one. And all in all, that could make your team just as, well, I would say better. Because, I mean, you're losing Messi. But in the long run, it could make it, the team better. Yeah, here, um, two points. One, um, I, I just really thought about this. Um, Messi does have to sign off on the transfer, though, right? He can he can deny to get moved somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The, the player always has to agree for them to get transferred. Yeah, so that's one. The agent could agree, agree on behalf of the player. Yeah, so that's one problem that I didn't even think about when I said uh, just give him to the highest bidder. Um, two, Messi has been saying this for a while, right? He's been saying this for about, like, six years. Yeah, but we, yeah. we never thought he was, he was serious until now. Yeah, and now it's just like, now it. Like the more I the more I talk about it, the more I'm just like I really don't know if I can see Messi in anything other than a Barcelona uniform. It's gonna be very strange. Um, but uh, the one thing that I do want to talk about is that if he does go to Man City, which it looks like, I I think that if he goes anywhere, Man City um, not only makes the most sense for Man City, but it also makes the most sense for like Barcelona because I'm pretty sure Man City is gonna be like, listen, we'll give you whatever the fuck you want as long as it's not uh, Gabriel Jesus. We'll give you whatever you want. So you want to offer Gabriel Jesus? I mean, that was the rumor I, I saw. I don't know if Ninja City actually listen, offered that. Listen, here's Gabriel the thing. Jesus. If, you, if somebody offers you Messi, you can't just be like, you can't have this guy, you can't have this guy. Um, I think realistically, all right, if if I have to give up, I, I can't give up De Bruyne. All right, I won't give up De Bruyne. Oh, that's not happening. <laughs> There's no player to argue to be valuable, more valuable than Messi that you can argue. It will be the Bruyne will be the first person. Yeah, um, that's like where I draw the line. You can have anybody else. I would be really depressed if you if I have to give up Jesus. But if I have to give up Jesus, I mean, I have to give up. I mean, I need Messi. Period. But um. Yeah, I'm also kind of curious. How well do you think Messi does? Because people have been talking about this for um, like for since it's um, you know since this whole thing has come out. How well do you think Messi does in the prem? Do you think Messi is just Messi, or do you think that he has um, that down year that it seems like every single superstar that goes from La Liga or anywhere else to the prem just struggles? I'm I'm not really worried about Messi and Prem because his manager is Pep Guardiola, and Pep Guardiola would use him to his best capabilities. The thing is, when if Messi moves to Manchester City, I don't see him playing in as an attacker. Well, technically he'll be an attacker, but he'll slot in at the central midfielder position for Manchester City because our Manchester City user central midfielders are essentially almost like extended false nines because the Bruyne plays like a false nine sometimes, but he plays from that central midfielder position. I feel like if it was any other team, he'll probably, I won't say struggle, but won't be as good. But because it's Guardiola, I think he'll be the same exact Messi. And that team will just be unreal. Why I can say Gabriel Jesus will most likely be the player to go is because even though he played well for the Champions League, Guardiola was never really that sold on Gabriel Jesus. It was just that he was he was he played great in their Champions League run, but he always preferred Aguero. And then Messi's best friend is Aguero. Yeah. I think Aguero is the godfather of his kid. So 
Messi would demand Aguero to be starting every single game. So I don't. So if if anyone will have to go for Messi, it'll probably be Gabriel Jesus, just so Aguero Aguero could play more. This is one that I thought was pretty funny because um, you know how when people say like, "Oh, if Jordan goes um, plays in today's NBA, he'll drop like 40, 50 points a game. Like that's what he would be averaging." Yeah. Somebody in um, I think it was ESPN FC or something like that was just like, um, "Will Messi score twenty uh, forty goals in the Premier League season?" If he goes, do you think he could do it? Because forty from the position he'll be playing, no, I could see twenty, or I could see twenty assists, twenty. I could see twenty, at least twenty-five goals and assists scored. Yeah, because my whole thing is like the most goals ever scored in a Premier League season was like what he, last year with uh, he felt uh, better than the Premier League. Yeah, this is this is the big leagues. Like people don't like scoring thirty goals is insane. La Liga is top heavy, but Premier League is bottom heavy. In La Liga, there are some clear bad teams. In Premier League, even the 1920 20th place team is not necessarily bad. Yeah, they're, they're not, just no, they're not. not as good as everybody else. Yeah, I. I think Messi's season, if he goes to Man City, um, probably looks like a downplayed version of what he did in La Liga. Like, if he plays, like, 30 games, I think he could definitely score 20 goals or 20 assists, depending on what uh, where he's playing and how he's being used. But, um, yeah, he's not going to have, like, this, this season that he had this year where he was, like, 25 and 21. Um, you know, he's not going to have that season. It's just not going to happen because those – um, even though Messi, in my opinion, is is the, uh, the I don't know if I can say he's the greatest of all time, but um, he's up there. Arguably. Yeah, arguably. He's top three. Um, I'm, it's just not going to happen. It's the Prem. Mohamed Salah scored 32 goals, and that was the most ever. He's not scoring 40. Let's relax. Yeah, he's not, he's not doing that. The thing with Premier League is you have a lot of teams that park the bus there. In Spanish League, it's not really... La Liga, there's not really as many teams, even though lower, the lower place teams play attacking, so it's just more def- more uh, defense based. But you know, we'll. I'm pretty sure by next week we will get more updates on what will happen with Lionel Messi. So we are going to keep you posted on that. Also, with more NBA playoff news, it will get to you on NBA draft. We had to postpone that till next week because there was just so much news that happened this week. That we had to cover. Yeah. Um, before we go, before we go, um, didn't even ask. Where do you think Messi ends up? Do you think he uh, stays Barca? Oh, 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 I, oh! I thought we uh, made that point. I meant Manchester City. Well, Manchester City's my my team. I think he's going to Manchester City. I think he ends up in Arsenal. Yeah. Okay. We got to head to that, that Arsenal. No, we got to. But uh, I, you know, let a man hope. All right. Let me hope. I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan, but. Come on. All right, yeah, all right. No, yeah. Now it's I'm, Ar- I'm an Arsenal fan, but how many times have we hoped before? It- Literally on a daily basis. Exactly. Yeah. So that's it for the sports edition. It's me, your host, Shay, with your other host, JC, estimated November 23. And JC, got any more last words before we head out? Um... Messi to Man City. That's it. Messi to Man City. Yep. Heard it here. Probably to Man City by next week. We'll keep you updated. 
and have a great rest of rest of your week until then we'll see you signing out Black Lives Matter.